Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on March 28th, 2017. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, Mr. Filler Up. Caffeine Rage. And you make that sound a lot dirtier and a lot sexier than what it really is. I know, right? On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. We'll have our monthly game club, which is Valkyria Chronicles, this month. Some new games are up for consideration for entering the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Hearthstone seems to be killing itself slowly. We'll have our weekly community corner and our weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Rage, how are you? I have a feeling I'm doing a lot better than you are this week. Yeah, I'm <laughs> tired. Very, very, very tired. So I guess I can talk about it now, and if you don't want to listen to my personal life, uh, find your timestamp and skip to where you want to go. But yeah, fast so, forward. So here's what's going on in my life. Um, so I'm, I'm started my new job. My first official day was yesterday, um, but they need me up and seeing new clients next week. Actually, they need me seeing new clients like yesterday or like months ago, but you know, processing and all of that. Um, but so HR was my first day was supposed to be last Monday, but HR messed up. And they didn't get all my paperwork filed properly, and so I wasn't Whoops. cleared until this week. So I had to go in Monday morning for uh, a meeting and orientation and stuff. And my boss is like, yeah, so I still need you to start seeing clients next week, even though you're supposed to have two weeks to do all of this stuff. Uh, I need you to do it all this week. And that would be and great. Was, and I was like, well, in my head I'm thinking, well, this sucks, but... Um, you know, buying the new house, need this job that makes more money, so uh, I should probably uh, just do it, and he'll like me even more, and... It'll offset then, the whole know. nude therapy thing. <laughs> so yeah, I have 22 hours worth of, of online training to do. Uh, thankfully, most of it is stuff that I'm already familiar with, since... Uh, well, I'll let you on a little secret. I'm already a therapist. <gasps> Really? So so a lot of it is like, hey, did you know that if a client tells you they're going to kill yourself, kill themselves, you should report it? And I'm like, yeah, I know that. Dealt with that already. So it's taking me less than going to take me less than 22 hours, but still, it's a lot of crap that I have to go through and you have to complete it and then take a little quiz online and be bored out of your skull because you know most of the stuff already. Yeah, it's incredibly boring. So there's that. Then I've got to do two days worth of shadowing an already active therapist so that they can, I guess, make sure that I'm not crazy or <laughs> know how to do my job or whatever and just get a feel for 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 them. Uh, and I spent – so today was my first day doing that and my second day is going to be Thursday. And it's a lot of, lot of on-the-job training because he's like, yeah, they don't really tell you this. But you need to know it. Yeah, they don't really tell you this, but you need to know it. And they don't really teach you this about their system, but it actually makes it doing things a lot easier. Or you really need to know this anyways, but they don't tell you. Because I think I told you this. I don't know. I've told a couple of people this. I'm not sure who I've told specifically. But they're, they have a very friendly, no, we're not. Like, we have 
so okay so I guess a little context. Uh, I'm working for a company called um, Omni Community Health, okay. which has multiple clinics uh, across the country, although they're primarily concentrated in the southeast. Uh, so being a, a mental health company, just like any company or corporation, you would think that they would have like a hierarchy of like, you know, CEO, president, VP, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. No, Omni's belief is sort of like Valve's, where it's like uh, everybody I was about is to in say charge. Valve? <laughs> yeah. So, so nobody knows what's going on ever, which is really frustrating. But at the same time, for someone like me, who's like, okay, once I get in this ecosystem, I'm very much uh, a self-sustaining person. So there's a lot of freedom that will come with that, which I'll appreciate. But just getting into the environment is frustrating as hell. So then you'll just uh, publish uh, Half-Life 3 and be done with it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, spoiler, <laughs> guys. I'm, I'm secretly working on Half-Life 3. Um, but so, yeah. So there's there's that aspect. All the training, the job shadowing. Then it, they've given me all the paperwork on my clients that I'm going to start seeing next week. And they're like, okay, go through all this and familiarize yourself with your clients. And uh, we'll, you can start setting up appointments at the end of the week once you've completed all the trainings plus i still have the clinic where i'm at at the at the university where i'm already working clients to see there although i've reduced my client load substantially plus uh they accepted the offer on our house or that we made on the house so we've got to deal with inspections and all that this week to make sure that there's nothing secretly wrong with it and we're gonna have to start packing up our things to move yeah and see if it really is just a model yeah, which I, I sent you the listing, and, and you said it was nice. And, yes, I think it's very nice. And then very I called excited. it Camelot. You did. You made a... And <laughs> it completely confused you for a moment. <laughs> for a second, I didn't get it, and I'm not sure if that's just because I'm tired or, like, distracted this week. But Or I just make really obscure references completely at random. Maybe. Well, I don't think Arthurian legend is obscure, but still. Yeah, completely yeah. off the wall. Yeah. So there's that, and then... Uh, I'm taking what's called the comp exam this week, uh, which is like the first portion to getting your license. So I'll take the comp exam, and then this summer uh, I'll take the licensure exam. And then all I have to do is finish completing my hours to become fully licensed. Um, (laughs) But that's this Friday, and I haven't studied for the comp exam. So well, at least whenever you have that dream where you're in the exam and you're naked, you're like, I'm okay with this. There's think think there's multiple testing dates though that you can go. So if I fail the comp exam, I can just go and take it again later. But obviously, I don't want to fail. Katie doesn't want me to fail because she doesn't want me to have to deal with it later. But if I wait to take the comp exam, then that just doesn't that complicates everything. So that's no good. Gotta take it. So yeah, that's what I'm doing this week. Uh, that's why, I mean, I'll say it again later at the end, but that's why there's no streaming. I already canceled streaming on Wednesday, and uh, I'm probably going to cancel on Friday too. Because ev- I, when I make it to Friday, I'm just going to be a lump of of exhausted person. Which is only slightly different from uh, being your usual lump. Yeah, fair enough. So, and I'd like to record with you this weekend, which means that I'd like to have some energy to do so, which means that no streaming. Yeah, I'm still trying to decide what to do for this particular week because I only have one day of uh, Divinity. 
I actually have an idea for it, but I'll talk about that later. Sure. So yeah, that's all the things that are going on in my personal life. I don't think I forgot anything, but I'm honestly, I'm sure I did. Oh, I still don't have my car back yet. That's still not fixed. Uh, still trying to figure out what's wrong with the banana. Yeah, still trying to figure out what's why the banana's gone bad. It's the problem has been narrowed down to one cylinder. Uh, so I had one cylinder that was not um, outputting the proper amount of power. Probably something wrong with the the fuel air mix. Just it wasn't firing as strong as it should have. So the computer, the ECU, was having two other cylinders on the opposite side of the block uh, produce more power, so more fuel, more air, uh, to compensate. And it got worse and worse until the whole thing just failed. And the whole uh, so thing goes like, nope. So those other two cylinders are fine. Uh, it's, it's now running on seven cylinders, but uh, that eight cylinder is just not working at all. So, Have you tried turning it off and back on? Yeah, a bunch of times. Okay, just checking. Unfortunately, cars don't work like computers most of the time. At least the mechanical Have you tried unplugging and uh, plugging back in that cylinder? Because that was, well, that helped the issue I was dealing with this uh, uh, weekend. That might. I could pull the cylinder out and then put it back in. But nope. So I've got it, got the problem narrowed down to one cylinder. But still, don't know what exactly the problem is. So I'm still borrowing cars and getting rides from people. So yeah, that's everything in my personal life. What about your personal life? Are you falling apart at the seams? Um, no, not really. I, I sound a lot more boring, don't I? <laughs> and um, it just everything hit it once this week. Like when it rains, it pours, and all the shit hit the fan. Yeah, the only thing is that uh, medical stuff for me has been delayed by over a month. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not going to be stressed until uh, May now, and that's um. I have a feeling it's mostly going to be me being, well, more grumpy than usual for uh, one particular recording, and that's about it. Yeah. Well, I should be moved by then, so I'll be back to recording everything normally. And I'll only be working at one clinic. And they'll be so used to I'm, your duty. So I might actually be... There's actually, like, no dress code requirements in the handbook. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think they just kind of expect people to dress professionally or somewhat professionally. So. Uh, time for me to start uh, hunting for t-shirts then to send you. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. And, okay. It'll be just the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, of course. Why would I need pants? I took a delicious sip of water. For some reason, water is extremely tasty tonight. I think I may be a little bit dehydrated, at least compared to the usual amount of hydrated that I am. Because I'm pretty sure I drink more water than any person should. Or more liquids in general. But enough about my water intake and my hectic life. Would you like to talk about games, sir? (laughs) You just want to move on to the first game that I played. That, and I'm thinking, like, the quicker I get through this, the quicker I can go to bed and get sleep. Oh. Well, this is the game that made you have a giggle fit in the last episode. Yes, I'm so excited to hear about this. <laughs> Did you watch the video on it? I haven't had a chance. I'm uh, going to. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I should say the name of the game. Etchy Sketch, Draw, Girls every, draw Cute Girls Every Day. And yes, I, I do to... appreciate the 
pun in the uh, name of the title as well. Mm-hmm. You know, etchy sketch. Cute. Yep. Etch a sketch. Oh, this... This is a game that you should definitely not buy on Steam, or at least not buy and uh, not put the adult patch in, because holy shit is it short. Okay. How short? Well, let's put it this way. My playtime is... uh, This is including running the game for a half an hour to get the B-reel, because it is a visual novel, so whenever I do a video on a visual novel... I'll have the game running on auto in the background, and I'm chatting over it. You know, just chattering away, talking about it. My runtime is three hours. I've gone through two of the three stories. Dang. The stories themselves are, after you get past the common route, which is probably about an hour and a half long, is 30 minutes, and that's with the adult patch in place. Without it, I would ballpark it at 15 to 20 minutes. And it is very, 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 very rushed on the story. Well, I made the comment that it's not porn with plot, it's porn with plot points. They... they (laughs) (laughs) PowerPoint porn. Uh, Not... Even that, because PowerPoint has more than uh, a couple of lines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well, the storyline follows uh, this girl who uh, uh, absolutely loves Yuri Manga, and uh, she's an aspiring, very talented artist, because naturally she is. Of course. Uh, and she ends up working at a very small publishing company, and maybe finding love in the process. And it's... Uh, the art's fairly good uh, the sprites and the CGs and yes that includes those scenes is uh, done very well the backgrounds uh, backgrounds are passable but then there's other backgrounds that looks like the artist spent a lot more time on and because they draw attention to that it makes the other backgrounds look so much worse you know what I'm talking about how uh, just a comparison between the two Right, which I yeah. actually point that out in the video, which you, you should go watch if you want to see the visual part of this <laughs> comment. Are the breasts exposed for our pleasure in your video? No, because YouTube frowns upon that. YouTube, yeah, YouTube does frown upon that. But that does not uh, uh, keep me from uh, putting uh, a, a rather risque uh, picture in the uh, thumbnail. Granted, I did see that. Granted see that, that. yeah, the uh, the I didn't have much of a choice because. All my choices were either risque, spoilerific, or that. And that's literally the first uh, picture you see in the the storyline. So, yeah, I didn't have exactly much choice, but, you know, a little bit of clickbait doesn't hurt at that point anyway. Every now and then it's okay, you know. Wink. Uh, but my biggest complaint really is story. It's just there's not a lot of it. And you know, they just rush past everything. Let's put it this way. Whenever you start the uh, individual stories, you have three or four sex scenes back to back with only a couple uh, uh, lines of dialogue to move along the day. And if you don't have the adult patch in, it's a fade to black and then you know, they uh, talk about what happened and then it's fade to black again and it makes it feel very disjointed. <laughs> 
Right. Okay. And there's those real scenes of uh, the couples uh, feeling like they are, you know, growing together romantically because it's all just, you know, they get together for uh, research purposes for the a manga, or to give one example of a storyline. And it's just one of those things like, okay, um, so this character's a jerk-ass anyway, so why why do we care? Right. I, I know, I know. I'm, I'm analyzing the plot of a porn game. <laughs> I, I realize this. But at the same time, if you do not go into the forums and find this patch, which they don't uh, list, you know, that it has an uncensored patch on the uh, store page, and if you go into the discussions... It's not there. You have to look for the FAQ and find it there. Then, yeah, you're left with, you know, a very, very short visual novel for, I believe it's a $10 game. So, yeah, it, it is. So, yeah, it's, that's why I'm analyzing the story so much because, yeah, there's not a lot there otherwise. <laughs> Which is a shame because this is uh, the same uh, company that had Sweet Folly High, which, even without the porn in it, still was a fairly decent story. It felt rushed at times, but not to the degree that this is. I really think that the uh, uh, that the developer, it is a single-person uh, development team uh, with outsourcing, of course. Uh, I think that they really should cut down on the number of routes they do and make it a more concise story. Because this is the second game in a row that I've had issues with them, and you actually bought another one of their games very recently. Which one? Uh, Wild Cat Girl appears. I saw it on the uh, activity oh, feed. Oh yeah, that was on sale. I bought it. Yeah, yesterday. that's a, yeah, that's another one of their uh, games. I'm not sure how it is. I do have a review copy of that, by the way. I plan on playing it this week. So yeah, uh, I figured able... it would be short and visual novel. Doesn't require a lot of brain power. Yeah, you'll be able to. Uh, you may be able to see what I'm talking about, or maybe you'll see. You know, uh, something that I'm not in, you know, think it's wonderful. Granted, that is their very first visual novel, and it's one I haven't done a, a video on, so. Yeah. Uh, and it's disappointing because I went into this uh, wanting, you know, uh, to like this game. And, uh, well, I mentioned this on my video as well, is that if I took a look at the storyline and used it as the plot basis for a more expanded story... I think I would have really liked this story. But that's not what I'm given. And I have to base the game on what it is, not what it could be. Well, right. yeah, my, uh, have my basis. And uh, yes, yes, I probably am basing on what it could be and looking at you know other... I hate using the term more well-done visual novels, but more complete is probably the better term for it. Yeah, yeah, even some cheaper or free yeah. visual novels sound like they would be story-wise better than this one. Yeah, yeah. Like I, mean, I said, only... it, there's so many uh, fades to black, especially immediately whenever you uh, go into the route. And I, it's this is something I didn't even mention is that the uh, the choice of route is very very obvious, and I like it more whenever it feels more natural. It's not a such a gamey choice of okay you have to choose your meeting and you know, it pops up the uh, the screen yeah who do you choose to have the meeting with and it's obvious you know this is the choice of routes you know that sort of thing it's not you know 
uh, something more natural would have been like a disagreement between two of the girls and you ha- uh, have to try to sort it out not a you know, very gamey uh, cut to uh, a a uh, choosing sc- uh, uh, character selection screen is the best term I could use for it I mean it's literally a character selection screen which character do you do you select to go bang eh pretty huh? much <laughs> Boy, I'm really, really mean to this, but <laughs> uh, I'm also a harsh judge. I've heard you be way more mean to games. Yeah, true. This sounds like fair, uh, fair criticism. Yeah, so shall we move on to uh, a card game? Sure. Yeah, since you talked about a card game last week, I decided, you know, I'll talk about one this week. Uh, this is one that I've had my eye on for... Uh, a couple weeks uh, after I actually uh, Total Biscuits stream of it uh, brought it to light uh, Feria which is uh, the best way I could describe it is a bastard child of Hearthstone Magic the Gathering played on a hex grid like Civ okay uh, it borrows a lot of elements from Hearthstone but it's a lot more fair on the business model which we're going to be talking more about that later, assuming that uh, subject doesn't get cut, Uh, where it doesn't feel like you have to win in order to progress. You you have your login rewards, which Hearthstone doesn't have. You have uh, your uh, quest rewards are uh, a lot more substantial. And there's also a single-player component that will uh, get you on your feet. And also, at least as far as I could find, there's no aha, instant I win cards because of the strategy element of it. So let's just talk about the strategy element. Uh, The strategy element is that uh, as you play the game, you are summoning lands to fill out this uh, rather large uh, hex grid. And on this hex grid is also four mana wells. And that's your mana generation. You're given three mana per turn, I believe. It's either two or three, and I can't recall which because I'm still learning the game. And uh, also holding the wells grant you extra mana. And uh, your mana also rolls over between turns, so it allows you to build up mana to summon really big creatures. You're able to summon either one or two uh, land per turn, uh, two uh, essentially colorless lands, or one of the colored lands. And the colored lands are also your summon points for your creatures. So playing a green deck, you plop down forest, and that's where you're able to summon your creatures. And also, various creatures require a certain number of these lands. So a more powerful creature may require uh, two or three of the colored lands to be in play, or a combination of various colors for a multicolor uh, creature. Okay. And uh, these lands are not mana, so that's the big thing. And these are not cards as well. That's also another really important thing. It is a move that you make during your turn. You have a choice of these lands, or you could sacrifice that ability to draw an extra card or have an extra mana to use. So that's part of the strategic element is building out your board and having essentially these almost bases where... You have a particular color of land, and you are able to color uh, to uh, redo your land to uh, change uh, one land to another. At least I know that you could do plain to forest and uh, plain to other colors. I'm not sure if you could do the uh, colored lands to other colors, because typically you have 
just a handful of the colored lands and then you fill out the rest with planes. And also your uh, lands could only be summoned adjacent to your own land or to a creature. So if you move a creature forward as a scout, you're able to do a, a little bit of a, like a land grab and uh, put your opponent on the defense, which is an interesting strategic move. And that's why there's not the really the concept of I win because it comes down to your strategy and playing off your opponent's strategy. At least so far that I played. Like I said, I'm still in the learning process of this. Sounds really interesting. I've heard TV talk about it on Co-Optional, but I haven't yeah, watched I, yeah, any I haven't, of his streams. Yeah, or I haven't listened to the Co-Optional where he talked about it yet. I've uh, only watched the stream and uh, played a, a little bit of it, mostly while I'm having my coffee to kind of wake up before diving back into Valkyria Chronicles to try to get through as much of it as I could because... I'll be honest, I didn't finish the game, mostly because I waited too long and got a little frustrated with it, but that's yeah, later. Yeah, that's a surprisingly long game. Uh, let's but, see. yeah, later. Uh, uh, other things uh, that, uh, that I like about this, there is a recruitment aspect. So if you want to help yourself and me out, you can put me down as your recruiter, and I'll get uh, extra, essentially, decks. There are lockboxes, but whatever, which don't require keys, by the way. Uh, and you'll get them as well. So yeah, it's Caffeine Rage, of course. No space on it, if I recall correctly. And if it requires it, capital C, capital R. Uh, ding. <laughs> ding. Uh, but they are a lot more generous with them. In the fact that you could re-roll your contents. Anything that is a, a essentially uncommon or higher. Uh, uh, blue or higher, essentially. Which is, I think, at least guaranteed in the lockbox you're able to do a reroll on it so once and it rerolls it of that quality or higher so if you get a card that you already have uh, a lot of which i believe the limits are the limits are 30 cards and i think 3 of a, the same card in each uh, in a deck i'm not sure about the limits on legendaries because i don't have a legendary yet and there's only a handful of legendaries right now they are due to have an, uh, an expansion coming out before too long that has co-op content in it which could be interesting which could be very interesting yeah uh let, let's see um but uh you could uh, re-roll the uh, cards to uh have yep yeah, if you're playing primarily uh red and green for example and you draw a blue card which uh the different cards tend to ha- have different play styles greens tend to have very large creatures with some buffing capability blue is aquatic cards that don't have to be on land to do things so they could uh, swim across the water uh, and they also have usually have some sort of jumping ability that allows you to essentially have extra uh, mobility uh, yellow has a lot of flying cards which is uh, essentially a slower version of the jump and it seems like they have uh, more movement abilities as well and red is uh, like a magic direct damage and since there's no hero classes, you could play the deck you want. So if you want to have that uh, blue and red deck, you're free to do it. And you just have to summon the lands. You don't have to worry about you know, drawing the particular cards that you need for it. And because how the uh, mana carries over, if you draw a card that you know, requires you know six mana on uh, turn two, you're able to uh, play it uh, you know, on like turn three or something. Assuming that you haven't... Uh, plop down of some very big cards it's interesting it sounds really interesting i mean you're you've 
pretty much sold me on this game. I've got it queued up to download. I'm not going to download it now because it'll, you know, hurt call quality and all that jazz. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've been kind of considering it after listening to TB talk about it after two or three. Well, after you talking but... about uh, uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, I decided, to, you know, it's time for me to try a card game again. Yeah, and I like the addition of oh. the the extra elements beyond just the CCG aspect, having the board yeah. for strategizing and things like that. Because uh, that, that sort of stuff would help even the playing field against someone who's been playing longer than you. As long as you have a good grasp of the game and pretty decent strategy and things like that, I assume that would allow you to hold your own a little bit better against someone that's got uh, more better cards. Yeah, and it also has a lot more choice because you're not limited to the hero cards and the neutrals, which are are colorless neutrals as well, which play on any uh, land. Uh, But you're able to, yeah, really figure out the play style you want. Right. I've uh, really been enjoying it. Granted, I am still very, very early in the game, so I could find some issues with it. The, uh, The arena mode is also a little bit different. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, unfortunately, uh, but it's one of those things that I'm going to have to take from a TV stream to talk about. It is like the Hearthstone Arena where you're drafting cards based uh, on choice, but there's this bo- uh, there's this uh, essentially second mode in it called uh, Pandora, where as you and your opponent draw cards, you draw Pandora shards. Once five are in play, which could be from either deck... Once those five are in play, you start uh, getting treasures, with the, which the treasures are very powerful, and the wells essentially dry up. So it's forcing you to go on the offensive. Okay, interesting. Uh, I haven't played it yet, so I'm not sure how it plays out. So I'll probably uh, I'm probably going to be playing some more of this now that I'm not trying to rush Valkyria Chronicles and yeah. talk about more I'll talk about it more next week maybe go into the arena I'm not sure yet I want to spend some more time on this but you can yeah. see uh, in the screenshots on Steam even they show uh, uh, multicolored decks which uh, yeah some of the more absurdly powerful creatures require multiple of, of various color lands like the ice behemoths which I actually have one requires three blue and three red uh, lands to play but they are also very, very powerful. I'll try and check it out before next week, but I don't know if I'll get the chance. But, yeah, this looks like I would enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I think the biggest stumbling block uh, for uh, people like us is that they have a lot of mechanics, like from Hearthstone, but named differently, obviously, so it's a little bit tough to figure out because okay what does this a particular thing do and they do have a couple other mechanics like uh they have a haste which is like charge but then there's another movement ability that is just the movement but it's not an attack okay so it uh, could be a you have to mouse over a little bit and this is on ipad by the way as well Dude, can you link your? I'm pretty sure Steam it's a it's account? it's an individual uh, login. You, uh, whenever you uh, create the or whenever you play the game, you play through the tutorial. You lock in your name, then you create a password after the tutorial to create your account. So it's technically not on my Steam account; it's on a separate account. So I'm pretty sure it's linked to the two. Excellent. Now that would make it easier for me to play this week if I put it on my 
phone or my iPad? Is it on both Android and iOS or uh, just uh, one? Uh, as far as I know, it's only on iOS on uh, for iPad because uh, the hex grid it requires too much room. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. As a matter of fact, let me go double check that real quick because I'm pretty easy. Uh, no, I'm seeing on no, no, no. Never mind. It, it, for some reason, fair, uh, fairy solitaire comes up whenever you're searching it for it. No, it looks like it's just uh, the uh, a card uh, a deck builder, but not the uh, full game. So it looks like it's only on iPad right now uh, for mobile. Okay, I'll probably still download it to my iPad though. I'm, uh, they they say it's coming soon to Android devices. Well, when it does, I'll put it on my phone. Granted, I'm not sure if it'll play well on a phone just because of you know, how much stuff is on screen. Well, I do have a really freaking huge phone. Although, I'm about to get a new phone. Because we're going to switch carriers to Verizon. But I'll still probably get the, a huge phone. Maybe like a Note 5 or something like that. And on something else I like that they do is they uh, is the single player content also has puzzle levels. Oh, fun! So they'll uh, teach you uh, uh, the different uh, small mechanics or s- different little tricks through a puzzle level. Like for example, teaching you that you don't need to move and attack at the same time. Sometimes it's best to move, uh, play something else, and then attack. Right. So it's one of those uh, yeah little things that doesn't sound very important, but then when you really start thinking about it, it's like oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sold. I'm gonna play this game. <laughs> maybe, maybe this week. Maybe not this week. Y'all but don't definitely forget to in put me as your recruiter whenever you go through and get to the friends list. I mean, okay. I'll put me on your friends list anyway, and you want to do that anyway. May as well give us but some stuff. That's right. Free stuff. Free stuff. Woo! I've, I've one of the things that TV has done is complain because it's like <laughs> I have a very unique problem and that I get thousands of packs and I can't actually play the game. Yeah, because I have to open all the packs before I can play. Yeah, or see, all the chests or whatever. Yeah, see, you just give me your free packs instead. Yeah, I'd take TV's free packs. <laughs> uh, last time he talked about it, he had over three thousand, and that was him just mentioning it on Twitter. It's something like yeah, it would take him a day. I mean, tw- like 24 hours of just clicking through. And yeah. You, and it's something that you can't script or can't script easily without, you know, just using some sort of uh, mouse recorder. Yeah. First world problems. Yeah. All right. That's the Is it my turn? being popular. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So it's time for your mobile game. Yeah. So Fallout Shelter. Uh, I played Fallout Shelter quite a bit more this week. That's about all I've had time to play this past week honestly um so last week I, I went over the gist of everything but i had not gotten to experience the new crafting system really and the new questing system beyond like the basic starter quests so um the crafting system is i mean you know it's simple you collect junk from the wastes or you scrap uh weapons and armors and things that you collect to get parts um which are all stuff that you can get like from Fallout 4 and use to craft weapons. Like that's kind of their uh, synergy between the two games. Like oh, uh, oh everything. 
just uh, breaking in real quick. I just happened to see this on Reddit uh, as you were talking. Uh, Fallout Shelter coming to Steam in 10 hours. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. After I've already spent a week building. Oh, or sorry. actually a little over a week. <laughs> closer to two weeks building. And it's, uh, they're also using the shop. Uh, the Steam shop. So you could use your Steam wallet to, to buy uh, useless uh, uh, lunch boxes and pet carriers. Cool. I'll probably do that. It's actually super easy to copy your save data. And drop it anywhere else. So I've been playing the same <coughs> shelter between my laptop, my iPad, my phone, and my desktop. I just drop the the file in it into uh, Dropbox, which it sucks that they don't have cloud syncing between devices automatically. But at least it's not a pain. They're like, yeah, it would be nice if we had this, but we don't. So yeah, we made so it easy to get it. your save file. Yeah, now give me a, a buck for a lunchbox. But uh, here, uh, buy, buy a six pack of Nuka Cola to <laughs> speed up all the timers because that's what, exactly what you want on a mobile game. Nuka Cola Quantum. Um, but so, anyways, yeah, the crafting system uses the exact same stuff that you use in Fallout Four to craft weapons and things. So there's kind of a, a little bit of a synergy there. Um, and it's, it's simplistic, but the best stuff in the game you actually get by crafting as opposed to finding it. So, um, a lot of the rare, I, I can't craft crafting legendary items yet, but I can craft rare stuff and the rare stuff is way better than anything I've found or gotten out of a lunchbox so far. So, and, and the rare things are starting to be some of the kind of iconic weapons, like the railway rifle that shoots, um, rail spikes. Uh, Does it whistle? It does actually. It makes that pew. Choo. I can't. Yeah, that choo sound that, that it makes in Fallout Three. So yeah, until that's they add cool. the rocket launcher. Uh, the, sorry, the rocket launcher that launches teddy bears to kill super mutants. I'm not sold. I have not seen that. It, that might be a legendary weapon. I could probably look it up on the wiki, but. Part of the fun uh, actually, the discovery uh, in the collection. Actually, I lie, uh, my rocket launcher in Fallout 3 shot plungers. <laughs> I mean, there's just, like, there just something about seeing a plunger take a super mutant's head off. <laughs> I like to shoot toys. All the different toys and like blocks you could find. But, well, well, the thing those. was that they didn't uh, align the plunger like you would imagine. So you would imagine, you know, like blunt and forward or maybe even uh, the uh, plunger in backwards yeah, because that would likely be the aerodynamically stable way that it would fly yeah. no, it would just be the plunger pointing straight towards the ground just kind of do this nice little arc <laughs> oh that's funny but and so I've, I've been crafting as many like rare weapons as I can but they do take a lot of materials so I'm still mostly stuck outfitting with kind of the standard the standard weapons like enhanced shotguns and things like that so I mean, it's not like garbage weapons, but I don't have the really good stuff yet. And then even though it's they're not the best equipment, I have this weird fascination with the Brotherhood of Steel um, uniform. It's like orange, and it's got like some good-looking little buttons and things on it. So everyone in my vault, like I'm working on making all those for everyone in my vault. I've made like 25 so far. I Do have... I get one for my kitty? Unfortunately, the kitty can't wear... Costumes. Oh, and I got a parrot. At least for that. At least with that attitude. 
I've got a parrot. The Gra- parrot also. Granted, trying to put a, a a costume on the cat would probably end in a lot of bloodshed. <laughs> it probably would. So I, I got a parrot. The parrot is better than the kitty, but I mean, you have to have the kitty. So you didn't get the parrot. I gave the parrot now, to if your I had the peg leg. <laughs> I gave the parrot to your uh, explore uh, your exploring partner in crime, which is Katie. So you guys go on quests together, and you have a quest, a Gatling laser, and she has a railgun, and you go questing. The so the quest system is the other thing. Uh, now that I've been in the quest system some more, they do get a little bit deeper than just like click on the room, go in the room, look for stuff you can loot, kill the rad roaches or mutants or whatever that are in there. Uh, there are um, quests that involve dialogue uh, and different choices you can make. And they do affect the outcome of the quest, although they are pretty simplistic. It is nice to see that even in a a mobile-centric free-to-play game, they do bring some of that Fallout-ness to it. Um, most of the quests involve, like, whenever that happens, you run into a, a group of raiders or a group of explorers or whatever, like, based on the quest. You have a quick dialogue exchange that has to do with the actual, like, story bit of the quest. And then sometimes uh, you get options of what you can say to them. Uh, sometimes you can... Uh, force or avoid a fight based on what you say, get bonus rewards, um, get more information which can lead to additional quests, that sort of thing. So that's nice. And then characters who are just randomly exploring the wastes, if they have a high enough perception skill, they can find little mini quests that they can go on to get bonus rewards and uh, other things like pick up new survivors to bring back with them, that sort of thing. Although those you have to be careful because... Instead of being able to send a party, you only have one person. And as far as I can tell, those are randomly generated. So you could wind up in like a really high-level quest with a, a character who's not properly equipped to do so because you just send them out to the wastes. Because I kind of use the wasteland as, like, whenever I've got too much... So whenever uh, people are gone from the waste, they still count against your population, but you don't have to feed them and water uh-oh. them. So <laughs> it's like, uh-oh, I've got a food and a water shortage. Let me just send 15 people out to the wasteland. <clears throat> so that helps. Um, that's really all there is to, about, to add about Fallout Shelter. I haven't really had any funny things happen, although Kyle and Mel have successfully had, like, 15 babies. So they're doing good. My baby makers are doing good. Oh, my. Uh, oh, and I'm happy to report, Cube, that you haven't died anymore, uh, and you got an <laughs> outfit that makes you look like a ninja. So you're a ninja with a missile launcher. Who hasn't been killed since the first time? Unfortunately, I can't report uh, the same uh, in RimWorld uh, for our listeners. <laughs> and you, Rage, are by far my most powerful, powerful dude. And it's funny, like I think, like you know that you're the best because whenever you zoom in on characters, like they'll get little little texts, little, little speech bubble equivalents of over them, and like they'll talk about whatever they're doing. And whenever you're on a, out on a quest, and I zoom in on you, you're like, "Yep." Every time you're like, yeah, I'm, uh, don't tell anyone, but I'm next in line for the overseer position. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, I mean, it's fun. I really enjoy Fallout Shelter. Oh, no, no, let's see. I just know that the Gatling laser is, you know, the shortcut. <laughs> yeah, the shortcut to being the overseer. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really like Fallout Shelter. I've enjoyed playing it. Uh, and it has made me more and more want to play Fallout. So yesterday, 
uh, no, not yesterday. Over the weekend, Sunday, I uh, sat down. track of your days. Usually, I, I at am, least I have excuse. I'm, I am losing track of my days. I sat down to play uh, Fallout Four, which I haven't played Fallout Four in over a year. Uh, I I bought it when it released, uh, so whatever day it was in November in 2015, and uh, I beat it before we started podcasting. So I don't think I've ever talked about Fallout Four on the podcast, at least. Not in a, yeah, I played this since. So I spent like an hour picking out some mods, and then I was like, you know what? If I'm actually going to play this game, I should probably start it with the mods that I have. Yeah, not a bad idea. I mean, usually adding mods is okay, but it can cause issues. So I just like my general rule for modded games uh, pretty much uh, overall is pick the mods that I want at the start, and once everything is up and running, do not touch the house of cards. <laughs> yeah, there's not as many mods for Fallout 4 as there is for, say, Skyrim. And also, Fallout 4 has a problem where that all of its DLC being separate, certain mods uh, only work with certain DLCs. Yeah. Or with all of them, or with none of them. So, thankfully, the built-in Fallout mod manager is like, uh, you've got an incompatibility here, this mod is only designed to work with this DLC, and you don't have that DLC. Shit's broken, yo. So that's nice. That saved me some headaches, I'm sure. But So Fallout 4, I played about the first hour of the game. I mean, I just started completely over. I did give myself like some OP stuff so that I didn't have to worry about. Like I walked out of the vault and like there's a power armor suit sitting in there and I'm like, "Yeah, that's what that mod did." Cuz it just said it's like have a locker full of gear to get you started. Some of this gear is OP. It's like, yep, that's a suit of power. Yeah, that's definitely really, OP. Yeah, I really try to avoid mods like that. I, I did that on purpose, though. I wanted to just this to be more about just, like, exploring and relaxing. And the first few hours of the game are the most challenging. Fallout 4 has a, a weird difficulty spike right at the very beginning that you can get stuck at if you're not paying attention. And since it's been so long since I've played, I'm like, you know, I probably suck at this game now uh and i'm old and i really don't want to spend time like fighting my way through this opening until the difficulty kind of levels out and you start getting gear that's that's leveled appropriately so i'm just gonna take this op stuff and blow through the first part of the game so that's what i did um i've got some so fallout 4 is gorgeous uh i've got the hd texture pack update uh, which was a free update that they released. Yeah, wasn't that and, the one that was just absurdly large? Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> Super huge. But So I've got it, and God, that game looks beautiful. 1080p, 60 frames a second. Because, I mean, 1080p is as, as high as I can go on my monitor. So I didn't have to at worry about... FPS. At 60 FPS, yeah. I didn't have to worry about any slowdowns from all the textures um, causing frame drops because I... You know, I couldn't do it in 1440p or 4K, so. But, I mean, that game really is gorgeous. I remember when it released, a lot of people complained about how it looked, and, I mean, it is being weighed down by how old that engine is, but they really did, I think, the best job that they could without rebuilding it or without building a new game engine. Which, to... honestly, at this point, they need to take the time to build a new game engine. Oh, yeah, no. For the next one, I mean, they've stretched that engine as far as it can go with Fallout 4. They need a new engine, but it, it looks good. It plays well. Uh, I, I, the, the character creator is super fiddly. I hate that. I, I hope that they 
abandon that and just go back to having sliders and kind of scroll menus. Because the character creation for Fallout 4 is similar to the Sims creation where that you like click on a, a feature that you want to change and then you can drag it around and use your mouse wheel and a couple of keys to like change things on it. <coughs> Why not have Excuse both? Excuse me, I'm stuck in my throat. But it's super fit. I mean, they could have both. I would be okay with both. I just want them to bring the menus back at least so that the people who don't want to mess with the fiddliness of it. If the the uh, the player characters held still during the creation, I think it would be okay. But the character moves around and bobs their head and breathes and goes through all their idle animations. and So it can be... Hold the fuck still. Yeah, that makes it extra fiddly. It's like, I want to grab your eyebrows, dang it. I want to make you have a monobrow. But I can't because you keep moving your head and blinking and stuff. Maybe they're fighting it naturally. It's like, no, I don't want to have a monobrow. <laughs> I don't want to change. I want to be who I am. I don't, don't, I don't change me. I don't want to look like I'm uh, some Michael Caterpillars. <laughs> so I played through the first time as a male character. I'm playing through this time as a female character. going to see if I can remember... Uh, what some differences might be, but I'm really looking forward to like just relaxing this time. I did add also a bunch of mods that add new places to explore, and I'm basically just gonna wander the wastes and ignore the story even more so than I did the first time. Um, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> just relaxing in a wasteland. I'm about to unlock the the first town where you can build stuff, and I'm gonna be there for a while. I downloaded a couple mods that overhaul the the crafting and building system, so I'm gonna yeah, be that in that seems first to be uh, pretty much a standard for Bethesda games is uh, the mod that overhauls all their systems that feels really, really, really basic. Yeah, it is. So after playing Skyrim recently for Game Club a few months ago. They reused a lot of sound assets from Skyrim, particularly like bottles and uh, I like when you that, pick up silverware uh, and cups and walking noises. Like, I'm yeah, like, that's recycled from Skyrim. I, I imagine that that's likely from a uh, sound database that they either license or is uh, Creative Commons. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Because it would be... Uh, quite the tax to uh, do all the little sounds. I'd be surprised if they have Foley artists for every little sound, and some of it's not just you know, from uh, some sort of database somewhere. Yeah. That's a good point. Didn't think about that. But, yeah, I'm enjoying my time in Fallout 4. I mean, I'll probably just report back from now on about adventures that I've had or observations that I make, but... And occasionally I, I, having me plug my ears so I don't get story spoilers. Yeah, I'll try really hard to avoid any story spoilers in general. I mean, it's it's the, the post-apocalypse. <sighs> Spoiler. But I'm, I'm enjoying it. And it's really difficult to navigate around because you're in Boston. <laughs> Boston. Too bad I don't have the Fahaba DLC. <laughs> um... It does It does play a lot better than it did before, and I think that's because I've upgraded my PC since then. Because the last time I played it, I had the i the my budget i5 and my uh, 750 GTX 750 Ti graphics card. 
Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I could get the game to run at sixty, but it's poorly optimized or something, and it so it was like it looks like utter garbage, but runs at sixty, or looks decent. And most of the time it is at 60, but as soon as you get to combat, it drops to like 30. Like, I had to make a lot of compromises to get it just the way I wanted it. Uh, but now it's like detecting your default graphic settings. Everything's set to ultra, and it never dips below 60. Like, it's it's never even hit 59. Just a solid 60. So, it looks better and it plays better. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this playthrough. I'm going to play it like an hour at a time for the next, I don't know. 50 weeks and then I might maybe get through it but uh, so yeah that's all about games this week are you ready to move on to game club yeah well all about games and immediately into games <laughs> yeah that's enough for games this week let's go talk about another game <laughs> so yeah for this month's game club oh I remember to that not I remember that I forgot to put in the topic list that we have to announce the next game club that always takes yeah. a few minutes Anyways, uh, so this month's game club is Valkyria Chronicles. Uh, we have talked about this game a little bit before. A couple of months ago, I believe it was, I started playing it because I'd always meant to. Uh, and then after our, shall we say, game club debacle, yeah, uh, we picked Valkyria Chronicles to be the next game for game club. So I, I, I finished it uh, yeah, when I'm... Katie was gone. Yeah, I, I got approximately two thirds of the way through. I would have gotten a little bit further, but I had to record RimWorld actually twice, and that took me two pretty much entire evenings for me because uh, I had a recording issue and I had to redo like six episodes. So yeah, I ended up not. I, that was probably a couple chapters. I was still I was in the low teens, and there's 18 chapters total. So I got pretty much uh, most of the gameplay that I was going to see anyway. And uh, then I just went yesterday and I watched the remaining cutscenes on YouTube. Yeah, and then I went through which honestly, yesterday and today, and honestly, that's the about wiki. the same experience because uh, this is a lot of cutscenes. Yeah. Yeah, it's practically, I mean, the cutscenes are practically a show in themselves. I mean, there yeah. is a Valkyria Chronicles anime, but you could watch the cutscenes and pretty much get the entire story. Yeah, I would say most of the story. There are a few things in battle that you would miss, and I'm pretty sure I missed because I just watched a video that had... Well, there was two versions of Valkyria Chronicles, of the movie, which is essentially taking the cutscenes and putting them all together. One yeah. was four and a half hours, which was literally just the cutscenes, and the other was seven hours, which included little bits of uh, combat here and there. To get the stuff that happens in the missions themselves. Yeah, yeah. Granted, some of that was you know just uh, very incidental stuff. You know uh, that you know uh, the reaction to uh, particular events happening in a battle. They had that in there. Did they have the stuff like where you go to and talk? I can't remember her name, but the newspaper lady. Because uh, there's uh, the writing uh, quite on the wall. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, I, I didn't get that. I did watch a couple of the reports, and granted, some of those are fucking expensive. And, yeah, they are. Uh, uh, and the only way to get them in your initial playthrough, this does have a game plus, by the way. 
the only way to get them in your initial playthrough is to go into the skirmishes and grind and grind and grind. Very JRPG-ish, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I got... Uh, for a while, I was getting all of them, and then the game hits... Okay, so Valkyrie Chronicles, in my opinion, has very inconsistent difficulty spikes. Oh, uh, the 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 de- the duel in the desert pissed me off and actually made me put down the game twice. Once originally a year ago when I was originally playing this game. And uh, a second time this time around. Mostly because <clears throat> they have an invincible, pretty much instant kill character sitting right at your objective. Yep. And it drove me absolutely insane until... Uh, it took me probably about three or four times to beat that mission. And the last time it was me... Luckily, I was able to keep my tank alive and in range, and I was able to just essentially, I re-outfitted my tank to be essentially a sniper, <laughs> and was able to snipe it with the tank, uh, the last radiator, to be able to just start ha- pounding on the on the this giant massive tank that yeah, uh, so that, that fabulous Hitler was driving around, and that's going to be fabulous Hitler. <laughs> Yes, that is that is perfect. I mean that that's what he is. He's essentially we have fabulous Hitler, we have uh, the Jews slash Gypsies, which are the Darson. I mean this is yep. uh, this is World War Two. Uh, yeah, uh, only uh, with a Japanese uh, coat of paint on it. Uh, so we have fabulous Hitler driving around uh, the first massive tank that he drives because yeah, this is fabulous Hitler. So he has to have more than one mega weapon. Yes. You're just gritting over there, aren't you? I love Fabulous Hitler. That's amazing. So so for our listeners, the mission that he's talking about, Duel in the Desert, um, that's the, is... Uh, I think that's the first major difficulty spike, or at least the one I noticed. I think it's I think it's the second difficulty spike. Uh, I can't the, think of the name of the mission. The first um, one, I think, would be the one uh, that, that you're in the forest with the lake. Yeah, that's the, well, the one that I was thinking of. I'm looking... But I was able to... I, I I just happened to play that correctly. Where uh, the the big thing about that mission is that there's a hidden uh, anti tank weapon on this ridge, and I just happened to be moving my sniper there, and I found it because I wanted to. I, I played very sniper heavy in this game. Uh, this one is uh, especially in the early game. That mission is called Wildwood Warfare at Cloden, and I'm pretty sure that's the one that you're talking about because you have a fairly big uh, boss battle there as well the first time around yeah the what's that tank that shows up um, i'm blanking on it that's one i played over a year ago yeah i don't i don't remember all the names for everything uh, i'm on the wiki though i suppose if i looked hard enough, uh, yeah. hard enough i could find it but basically that game or this level is is one of the first difficulty spikes because it splits your troops up into two and yeah, which honestly you just don't as, really need to do that, that I that's mean, the, you don't that's the thing is that I found with this game is that it really pays off to not field a complete set of units to uh, field out your uh, your officers, which gives you extra uh, action points, and then call in for reinforcements to, for whatever you need. That's how I was playing it, and I was uh, once I adopted that playstyle after you know getting frustrated with the uh, fabulous Hitler's mega tank. Uh, that's how I beat it was that I had more actions on uh, individual units because I had fewer on the field. Yeah, I would field full units all the time. I would always field, uh, obviously you have to field tank, 
uh, except yeah. on missions when you where you don't get the tank. There's yeah, which was a couple a, of those. Yeah, but, only a couple, and yeah, that's in the middle of the game. But so you always field the tank, and then I would always field an engineer to just stay with the tank to provide support, close support against infantry, and then basically just to repair the tank every turn. And then all the officers to get the, the bonus action points, and then based on the mission, then I would pick everyone else. I rarely ran snipers. They're yeah, too for, inaccurate at the start of the game. I suppose it gets better, but... Oh, it, they get far better. Once you get... Well, here's the thing, is that... Um, this is one thing that really annoys me about the game, is that it, uh, the reward system and how they dish out experience and money is based on how quickly... You complete a mission. Yeah, which is stupid because this is a this is a yeah th- this is a strategy game, and the only way to get a really good uh, ranking on a mission is to play not strategically but very very dangerously, which feels like it's completely against what the uh, genre is supposed to be. Uh, matter of fact, it's kind of funny. Uh, well, we haven't really gotten into the story too much yet, but. One of the big plot elements is Alicia getting shot to awaken uh, superpowers. And I'm, yeah. think, and I'm saying they're thinking, why didn't she flip out every single other time I got her shot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, um, she's a, so she's a, there's four different unit types uh, on top of the tank. Uh, and she's a scout. Yeah, they're and scouts. The scouts are basically the weakest. They're, they're scout, which is a very fast but fragile. There's shock troopers, which are a bit slower than scouts, but have a lot more firepower. There's lancers, which are useless. <laughs> Anti-tank guys, but you're better uh, off blowing up a tank with a tank. Because, honestly, the, the the tank is a lot more accurate at long range, and you're usually fighting the tanks uh, against other tanks at longer ranges. Uh, so, yeah, it's they're pretty much useless. And they're the, uh, the second slowest class next to the sniper, which is long-range anti-personnel. And uh, if you upgrade uh, the snipers to a significant degree, even uh, whenever they're inaccurate, they still get their hits in. Because, well, here's the major thing that I found with the snipers is that you have to zoom in every single shot. Even yeah. even if you could line up the shot uh, uh, you know, fairly well without fully zooming in, fully zoom in because how they how the shots go off is for every shot in this game is that you have an accuracy circle. And it uh, essentially rolls a dice. I mean, it's uh, based on a formula, but whatever. Of uh, how close your shot is to the crosshairs. And with snipers, the more you zoom in, the smaller that circle is and zooms in. So every single shot, you're spending that time to zoom in uh, to get the better shot. Even when you just happen to roll an inaccurate shot. You know, it's one of those things. Right. Um, so do you want to, so we've just been kind of talking in general, but there's, I think several big chunks in the game that we should look at. So first of all, let's talk about the actual gameplay mechanics and the strat, I guess the strategy element. Oh, yeah. I I think this is probably the weakest point for me. It's, it's definitely not made for PC and it feels very clunky at times because of it. Because of the digital controls of you know, fully moving and fully stopping. There were several times that I was trying to do something very uh, precise. And I ended up wasting a lot of action time. 
which that's how your movement uh, works is that you're given a meter based on the unit and that's your movement action then you're able to fire your weapon once I ended up especially on missions where I had to disable a mines trying not to step on the mine but get close enough for the engineer to uh, d- to disarm the mine yeah I played with a controller and uh, it's not much better. I still would basically oh, see, uh, just avoid mines or shoot them because you could shoot the mines to blow them up. See, every time I tried to shoot them, I, I had uh, Rosie, uh, which was pretty much the secondary uh, uh, my secondary unit that I used outside of Alicia. She would shoot around mines constantly. <laughs> and I just gave up and I started running in, uh, my engineer up, uh, disabling mines, which you, that doesn't count against your action. So you could disable multiple mines as long as you have the movement points. Yeah. And then run them back into cover. And the thing is, also, if you uh, use a unit multiple times in a round, uh, the only disadvantage to that is that you get less of your movement bar. So for a, a scout or, or scout or engineer that have really big movement bars already, it, you're still able to move more than an, a stormtrooper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're... Uh... I think overall, I, I, okay, so I liked them at the beginning. I was like, yeah, this is fun at the beginning. But as the game wears on, there's very, very little change in the mechanics as you go. Yeah, so, the only time the mechanics really change is whenever a, whenever a particular class becomes an elite that they get level 11. And that's a lot of experience. I only got one class to that. I actually didn't get any classes to level 11. I didn't know that they changed. Yeah, uh, I got the scouts to level 11, and they get a grenade on their rifles, which is absurdly powerful. Yeah, I'll bet, because the standard grenade is extremely powerful. You just can't throw it very far. Uh, the the rifle grenades uh, have this huge arc, and their minimum range is farther than the thrown grenades. Dang. That would be, yeah, that would be handy. Yeah, I was using it to clear out a lot of... Uh, bunkers, and what I would do is on uh, maps that required a lot of uh, clearing out like that, I would have a secondary engineer to follow my scouts because it would be a one-shot thing per turn. Uh, to uh, you know, the scouts would uh, do that. I would run usually two scouts, uh, Alicia, and depending on whoever uh, you know fits the map better, because that's that's also something that's what we haven't talked about, is just individual units, how they interact with the maps, which we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I would have them uh, you know, launch uh, their grenades, fall back, the engineer would take his turn, reload them, and then they'd shoot again. Yeah, that's that would definitely be And handy. that's that's how I was taking out uh, on uh, maps that had a lot of uh, armor units. I, I would have done it on the... Uh, uh, retaking a brawl but i uh, was anti oh, i was uh counter sniping on that to take out all the damn snipers yeah so um so really quickly leveling up characters we mentioned that each well you level up the classes of soldiers yeah, yeah that thankfully you have. it's not individual characters because there, there is just an absurdly large roster of characters some of them have a lot more story than others it's pretty much the story revolves around welkin uh, and alicia that's their story then you have the officers, which have a bit of a backstory and uh, some more info about them. Then you have uh, the rest of the roster that has usually a few lines in the bio, which is still a lot more than what some games have. Yeah, and there are a lot of characters. 
uh, and you continually get more as the game goes on. Some of them are story related. Uh, like there's one guy that you get Zaka. Zaka, yeah, the the second tank for your. Yeah, which your honestly, squad. I found the second tank to be completely useless. I never used it. I used it. I would usually take both tanks. Uh, I would, no, no, you're forced to take both tanks. Yeah, well, I mean, what I'm saying is that I would, I would use both of them actively in battle. Uh, pretty much, uh, the second tank was uh, uh, was uh, moving uh, cover for me. <laughs> yeah, that honestly, that's mostly what the tanks are moving cover. I mean, I'd always take a shot with them when I use them, but except for fighting other armor, your infantry do a much better job than the tank. Throughout most of the game, yeah, I guess in the early game, the tank with the 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 mortars can do a ton of damage to infantry. Yeah, but as they level up, as you go through and get more health and more resistances, the mortar becomes less and less effective, and the machine gun is just kind of laughable. Grant, uh, during uh, I did replay the skirmish uh, where you fought, uh, had that first initial uh, damage uh, or difficulty spike to just get a little bit of extra experience to level up a unit or level up a yep. class and uh, because it's based on what your units currently are in the play and your playthrough and uh, the, the units on that map doesn't change you know, <laughs> the uh, my tank uh, was able to sit there and just as the reinforcements came in uh, <laughs> they would start to move and the tank would just mow them down <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And I just had to wait a turn because uh, my uh, well, Alicia was just didn't have enough movement to get to capture the uh, the base, and for some reason, you know, having a fuck off tank in the base, you know, doesn't count as capturing it. Which that's right. usually what it is. Is and I would say you know eighty eighty ninety percent of the time it's capturing the enemy base, and that's why a lot of it feels like it goes against the whole strategy element. Is that you know you're rewarded a lot more for rushing through right so you also mentioned uh a a few minutes ago the sort of interaction that each of the characters have with the levels so characters have these little traits Uh, they call Uh, them potentials yeah and some some of them are bonuses and some of them are negatives so uh yeah bonus would be like uh your character likes i can't think of the name of it the allergies uh, uh, would be bad things. Uh, yeah, like uh, Jan, for example, which was usually who I used as a secondary you lancer. got if it, were, hon. If there was... Of course you would love him. I love uh, Jan. He's my favorite. Uh, if there was a lot of armor on uh, on the field that was close range, I would use a secondary lancer, and I would use uh, Jan. And he had both negatives and positive. He would have a pollen allergy, so if there was a lot of grass on the field, he would lose health. But if he was near Largo, who he has a crush on, uh, he would uh, get bonus attack. And he also mm-hmm. had a chance to uh, have an extra shot of his lance because uh, the lances have a ammo count on them. Uh, not all weapons have ammo counts. Uh, the scouts' uh, rifles don't. The uh, the shot troopers' and machine guns don't. But uh, more powerful things like grenades, lances, have a particular ammo count, which can be refilled by engineers, which is why they're important. Also, the, it refills every turn by one. Yeah. So the default lancer ammo count is three, and every turn it goes back up by one. So you never run out of ammo, but, but it's, if you uh, do run out on a turn, then that character kind of becomes pointless. Yeah, it gets very tough. 
and snipers have a, a ammo count of three on their base weapons. And I think yeah. that maybe some of the uh, of the uh, hidden sniper weapons uh, have different ammo counts. Uh, that, that's another thing is that on most of the maps there's something called an ace that if you kill them you unlock a particular weapon and it usually unlocks a different play style like uh, the a sniper gets a lot more powerful of a gun but it's a lot closer range it's has a bigger damage fall off after a certain a certain distance which that that is one thing that I found very annoying is that uh, you it was always very tough to tell ranges at times yeah. Uh, especially for things like the shock trooper and uh, the sniper, because the sniper, once you get past that particular range, the damage just drops completely off. And the shock trooper has the same problem, but it's a lot closer range. So yeah. once you get past that uh, particular range, instead of taking, you know, three or four shots out, 20 to kill something, it takes 40. Yeah. Which, that would be frustrating, because there's no way to tell other than, like, targeting, like, okay, how close am I? How many shots is it going to take to kill? All right, I guess I should probably move up. And every time you do that, you're exposing yourself to fire. So you could be in a really difficult situation. It's like, if I just knew how far I had to run this first time, I could try and make the, the yeah. run. Because every time you stop, like, the enemies don't pause when you pause. The only time they stop shooting at you is if you go to aim and shoot back at them. So mm-hmm. if you're like standing, like trying to position your position yourself properly, you're getting shot at the whole time, and you could wind up dying before you even get to really take your move. Yeah, that's also whenever something is a gets a little bit fiddly, like trying to disarm mines or trying to line up that shot, it could be very annoying if you're being shot at. Good. Yeah. There are things that you could do. You can, uh, you know, launch the smoke uh, shells from the Alewise, the main tank that you get. Uh, to uh, pr- provide yourself mobile co- cover or just move the tank itself to provide cover. But it's still very fiddly. And also something else I ran into was there. it feels like there's a lot more invisible walls than there needs to be in this game. Yeah, there's a lot of times it's like... Why can't I go through this? Or why can't I like step down into this trench instead yeah. of having to go and kind of walk down sort of like the, the ramp part that goes into the trench? It's like... This is like a step down like I would be stepping on, you know, like up or down a, a flight of stairs. Like, why can't I take this step instead of having to walk or all the way around? Or even trying to climb over uh, uh, sandbags. That's something else is that you have to run into them for a moment. And sometimes yeah. it's a little fiddly and it'll uh, say that, oh, you're moving to the right uh, too much because you're not uh, exactly perpendicular to it. Yeah. We're really shitting on this game. I do like this game. It's just uh, there's all these little things. Yeah. So is there anything positive that you like about the mechanics? Because I think the mechanics are the worst I, part of this game. I do Not like... Not because they're bad. They're just... Fiddly. They get boring. They're fiddly and they get boring. I do like uh, the different potentials and having to uh, swap out particular units. Granted, because you're rewarded so much for taking your officers, it feels more like instead of fielding the best uh, units that you can... You're always, you know, it's always this set roster plus these two guys. It's it's like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and <laughs> a, a random red shirt go to battle. Right. Instead of setting out your, uh, 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 the best field, uh, field the best units that you can. That's something that really annoyed me, particularly whenever 
one of your officers may have a negative trait for that particular area. Right, which I think you said this, but officers give one bonus action point. Yeah. So, so that's why you're heavily incentivized to take the officers. Yeah, so even if there's no armor, I would take Largo, which was one of the three officers that you'd take. Because yep. there, there was an officer for scouts, an officer for shock troopers, and an officer for lancers. There was no officers for scout, for, uh, sorry, for snipers, which uh, felt like it was a little lacking. Uh, yeah, no engineer it, officers either. Uh, no, no, no engineer officer, that's right. Uh, technically, the engineer officer w- would probably be Welkin. Even though he was a scout whenever you're on foot with him. He's yeah. Pro- pro- oh, well, actually, uh, uh, Isis would uh, probably be the uh, engineer uh, officer, but you never right, play but her directly. Also, spoiler, she dies. <gasps> How dare yeah. you? She gets shot in the chest. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sitting there watching that cutscene. That was one of the last cutscenes I saw in my playthrough. It's like, why is nobody calling for the medic? Yeah. Because the medic brings people back from... It's like, oh, did you get blown up by a ta- tank shell? Miss Medic! Yeah, there, she got blown up by a tank shell! Yeah, there's this uh, weird disconnect between uh, uh, story and gameplay that <laughs> kind of took a little bit of the punch out of it for me. Was that... Yeah, okay, why is nobody calling for the medic? Yeah. Video game logic. But, uh, but it's still... you know. It, even if you know, the medic wasn't shown to be this god among people of uh, bringing people back from the death or, you know, uh, you know, breaking back Alicia back uh, as a, a little stain on a sponge. It's like, here's Alicia's body. <laughs> because, <laughs> and then the, because the scouts would move so fast, occasionally I would step on a mine that I didn't see. Yeah. Or I would try to stop and, you know, she would take that extra step. Yeah. Or when Alicia gets her god powers, it's like, you have died, like, a dozen times in my playthrough yeah, already. Yeah, exactly. Why now do you get your god powers? Well, you didn't put the lance shield on her unconscious body. Oh, I see. Because that was supposedly, that, that's supposedly, you know, why it didn't happen before. You know, kind of a bullshit reason, but still. Makes you wonder. I didn't give her the MacGuffin. Yeah, makes you, makes you wonder, okay, so how did they discover this ability before? Because it only happens whenever one of them is near death. Yeah. Actually, that's explained pretty thoroughly in the the encyclopedia ah. in the game. There's a, there's actually quite a bit of lore and extra story stuff in the encyclopedia, which, you know, I, I apparently I didn't realize the game had four or five hours worth of cutscenes. But uh, good yeah, on which, them for showing it, a little feels, bit of restraint. Uh, it, it feels a lot longer because... It's not an individual cutscene between battles. Uh, you, you'll have one cutscene that uh, you're sitting there hitting, uh, well, for me, the mouse button to advance dialogue. Uh, and then the next one will be a full-blown uh, blown CG uh, cutscene movie. Then you'd have, a, uh, then you'd select another one that's uh, back to the dialogue. And it felt very, it felt a lot more exhausting than it, would, it otherwise would be. At least yeah. to me. And also, to start playing the game again, I had to go through probably about an hour and a half, two hours of cutscenes like that to catch back up on the story, because it's been a while since I originally played this. So, speaking of story, let's talk about the game's story, yeah, unless well, you have anything guess, you want to add to mechanics. Uh, I, I wish I wasn't forced to take the second tank, that it would have... Uh, granted, I don't think it counted against me uh, for deployment, 
but it's uh, for some of the smaller maps. Once you start getting the second tank in, it feels very cluttered. Yeah, the maps are kind of small. Yeah, for the most part, there's a yeah. couple of maps yeah, that are, are that, larger. Yeah, and that's uh, usually whenever you're dealing with others with uh, snipers, and that's when I'd be counter sniping like crazy. <laughs> That's probably because of the limitations of the hardware this was designed for. Yeah, this was a PS3 game. this is a game. PS3 game. Yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those things that it, it feels a lot more fiddly than what it should be. And that may just be you know, hardware at the time and uh, the fact that at least I was playing a port. And I think yeah. you were as well. I was, but I was playing with a, a controller instead of keyboard and mouse. So I, or maybe I, had I just had a higher movement. expectation. <laughs> You you are always more uh, tougher on things than I am, but no, it was pretty fiddly for me as well. But okay, so story wise, uh, I really, really, really liked this story. Yeah, I'm, I like I mean, the story a... as well. I, I, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, uh, considering uh, the fact that I mentioned that there's four and a half hours of cutscenes. I wish that they went into a little bit more on the characters themselves and outside of the encyclopedia and had them in the cutscenes. Yeah. Because that's one thing I noticed is that after Alicia, or not Alicia, but uh, East died, we'll just shorten her name to what Wilkins called her, uh, I've decided, yeah, let's go see where this is in the anime itself because, yeah, the anime is uh, over 26 episodes. It's uh, uh, more than a two-season anime. It's a yeah. fairly long anime, and they talk about uh, have, around this time, Rosie uh, dealing with survivor guilt, and uh, Alicia and Wilkin throwing themselves into uh, their work, and uh, the officers, uh, the other officers, and Valdio, uh, Wilkin's friend, which we'll get it to a little bit more in, uh, in, in a little bit, uh, actually getting angry with Wilkin because he's not mourning his sister, and and in the in the game itself. You know, you know, they do a three-week time skip, and, you know, everything is kind of fine. I mean, granted, they're still down, but not nearly to this extent. And it's like, yeah, where the, the game, hell is this? In the game, it skips some time, and then they do a mission, and it's like after the mission, they're like, okay, I've cleared my head. I'm ready to to get back to to being awesome me. And everyone's like, yay. Nature boy. That's that's a that's an oversimplification of what happens, but that's basically what happens. Yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, I'm not asking to you know for two hours of cutscenes of them being depressed, but you know, show them dealing with it. Right. I mean, granted, it may be in the encyclopedia, and I uh, and the ending does show that you know uh, uh, that it still weighs on their mind. Yeah, I mean, there's there is a lot of extra stuff in the encyclopedia. Uh, I. Did you play very much Mass Effect? Uh, I played the first two. Did you, so the codex that's in Mass Effect? Yeah, this yeah, I yeah, think is on par with that and how much information and yeah, it's sort one of those things that, is yeah, in there. There's a lot of reading. There's probably a good uh, light novels worth of reading, and that's not even including like all the different characters and how they interact with one another. Because, uh, well, Jane, for example. Uh, uh, he has um, probably one of the bigger stories in the in the encyclopedia because he uh, goes back to his town and uh, starts a, a daycare essentially. Yeah, yeah. It, so each of the characters gets a little biography, and it expands as you go throughout the game too. Because you can go look at him at the beginning, and it's like 
yeah, this person volunteered for the militia. And then you go to the end and it's like, yes, after surviving through all of these battles, this person uh, went on home to go uh, and start a family and a bakery and, you know, that all that sort of stuff. So it evolves as you go through the game, which is nice, you know, or, uh, you to go back well, and check it. But Or then there's other little things like uh, the sniper that I usually used was Catherine. And uh, one of her potentials was that she would get anxious whenever she fired her last shot. Uh, she would uh, suffer a penalty occasionally. Yeah. So I'd usually you know, have her shoot twice, move the engineer to uh, refill her ammo if I, I need to, and then uh, have her shoot again. Well, in the bio, it talks about how she uh, lost her friends because uh, uh, she was overrun. her sniper position was overrun and because she ran out of ammo. And it's just one of those little things. Yeah. So, th- yeah, there's definitely a lot more story there than the cutscenes uh, uh, give. But uh, is it a normal thing to expect people to sit down and read all the codex or all the I don't think so. I don't think that's... I think that that's something that's sort of like a labor of love. And it's like the people that really appreciate that sort of thing will love it, like me. And then, you know, they put enough of the story in so people know what's going on for the, the bits that everyone is going to have to see as they play through the game. I, I think they got that balance pretty spot on. I mean, maybe they could have put a few more things in the cutscenes as you're playing through. Um, particularly or maybe around did a few the more. big moments, I think. Uh, particularly around Issa's death. I think that's the big, uh, you know, like, wait, what the hell moment for, for me was the fact that everyone seemed to get over it fairly well. Yeah just kind of moved past it they kind of hand waved it um but in general i think they struck a pretty pretty good balance uh on the storytelling aspect that they did so i i one of the things that i love the most though is the setting of the story this... yeah sort of a fantasy world war ii uh granted not really high fantasy there wasn't really magic per se it was all technology for the for the most part i mean granted they did talk about how the Valkyrias, uh, they think that they gave a little bit of a scientific, uh, it, it may be this, but we're not entirely sure. So it's magic-esque, but not quite. Yeah. And it falls in that uh, degree of significantly advanced technology as indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. So uh, I, that's why I kind of... Uh, I'm on the fence on saying full on fantasy with magic, but there is a, a, an alternate history uh, telling of world war two with a very, very strong anti-war message. And honestly, this is something that did bug me a bit was how, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the best way to put it, how overtly evil even people on your own side was who were high up in the military. Yeah. Like, there the, was not uh, outside of squad seven themselves. There wasn't really anyone in the high military that was sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah. There's that general guy that like keeps sending the militia off to die and thinks, yeah, who was an terrible. absolute jerk the entire time. Uh, everyone in the, uh, uh in the, castle with the exception of the princess uh were absolute jerks and uh, tried to dick over everyone in, in one way or another yeah 
and it comes off uh, kind of uh, Saturday morning cartoonish at times because of it. Sat- how does it? Uh, just because of uh, how overtly uh, I'm I'm off to se- to send you to die again. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I got gotcha. you. I was like, I don't feel like that's very Saturday, but sort of the 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 dick dastardly yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, just uh, a little off-putting on the story. I think they could have handled that a little bit better, but that may be the difference between Japanese storytelling and uh, Western storytelling. Yeah. Is that you need an obvious uh, villain and not someone that's really sympathetic. The the one uh, counterpoint to this would be that one general who was simply fighting for his homeland, and I'm blanking on his name who was trying to essentially get independence for his homeland back uh, uh, and was fighting on the side of a fabulous Hitler to do it. Uh, uh, ba- uh, Baltior or something like that. Uh, um, he, he fought him very late in the game, uh, uh, like the last couple missions. That, I'm drawing a blank on his name. I can try and find them. You, you, know, who really I'm, you know who I'm talking about, though. He, yeah. He was the captain of the tank division that you fought late in the game. Yeah. Uh, he was sympathetic, and he had his reasons of doing it. And the Valkyr that you fought, uh, she was a little sympathetic, but she was completely off the rails. Uh, yeah, she was doing it uh, out of uh, love for Maximilian, fabulous Hitler. Yeah, that's still getting a laugh out of you. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love I I love fabulous Hitler. That's great. Take that out of context, kids. I love fabulous Hitler. <laughs> Uh, that sounds uh, like a new version of uh, the producers. <laughs> but she was doing uh, she was doing everything out of love. But even to the point where he uh, orders her to sacrifice herself and to uh, set up her suicide, uh, which is a giant freaking nuke because you know has to be. Yep. You know, it, that's she's a little sympathetic, but at the same time it so blind uh, blindly devoted to him that it comes off once again a little too uh, too simple for me that makes right. any sense yep that makes sense I can see that um, I'm trying to think if there's anything I really have to add I think there were honestly no except for Jan, no real standout characters to me because <laughs> yeah, the secondary roster is, uh, I don't want to call them one dimensional because they're, uh, they run the gambit from, uh, uh, really likable to kind of jerkish. It seems like all the engineers had very strong negative traits one way or another for me, or at least the ones I hired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, they were all just there. They never really had their moment. Uh, the exception of that being the people in the R&D department. Whenever uh, you have your replacement uh, tank driver from them, and in the ending cutscene, you uh, the guy that you go to for all your R&D uh, uh, saves you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have more uh, screen time than pretty much all of your secondary characters combined. Yeah, I did like the research guys. They were pretty cool. 
I love how they think that you're like some kind of celebrity or something. <laughs> That's pretty fun. Uh, well, that was also one of those things was, uh, yeah, everyone uh, hates Wilkin at first because they see him. Well, Wilkin is the son of a famous general from the first European war. Uh, so they see him as just this uh, glory hound that, you know, they was put in a position to uh, be powerful beca- or to put in position of power because of his name and not what he could do, which it does seem kind of that way at first, doesn't it? Because there's no real reason for him to be given this division in this uh, uh, command, is there? He yeah, he hasn't. He doesn't have any military experience from what I can tell outside of the uh, because this is a, a, a Japanese story. Uh, the military forced military training that was given to him in high school. Outside of that, he has no military experience. So you would expect Alicia, the one who was actually in the town guard, to be the uh, commander at least for a bit. Yeah, but instead they make him the commander right off the bat. I mean, he does prove to everybody pretty quickly that he's pretty, yeah, pretty awesome. But yeah, but it's one of those things. Wait, why did you get command over Alicia when she has experience? And you would expect him, maybe, to uh, pitch this wild idea to Alicia and maybe uh, be promoted over her or, you know, uh, to get some sort of understanding uh, with their commander to uh, make him commander instead after the first mission. That would have been nice. I think that would have made more sense. Although, did he... Did he do officer training? He went to tank school. Uh, I don't... I, I don't remember them saying that he went to officer training. And I, maybe and that's I, why they did it though, because he went to tank commander school. Yeah, maybe uh, he he was. Uh, he did. They did mention that it, it is. There was one thing that I did find absolutely hilarious in the early story was, uh, yeah, the uh, the the empire the empire attacks the imps as they are called. Uh, attacks mm-hmm. the town and you know they run back uh, to his little sister's uh, house or to where he was helping her move out to the capital and <laughs> in most stories whenever they uh, this little sister would say well there's something from our father in the back that uh, would help out you know, you would expect a gun not a fucking tank <laughs> yeah <laughs> and better yet why is the tank there and not in a museum or something and then if there's it, a baby born in the tank yeah which you uh, better a uh, believe that baby's going to have some hearing damage. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Among other kinds of damages. Yeah, but that is her fifth one, so, you know. Hmm. Yeah, she just pushed it right out. Yeah, but uh, it's just one of those things that, why's the tank here? <laughs> I know I'm probably reading into this a little too much, but if I don't, then Kyle's going to write in and ask about it. <laughs> <laughs> also she tries to build him a biplane like that's what she's working on yeah like, there's her next project uh she being east uh for welkin trying to build him a biplane yeah because welkin uh when they were little uh mentioned that he wanted to fly uh, sometime uh, watching yeah. the birds which uh does end up you know he ends up uh, flying at the end of the game yeah i did think that was a sweet moment though yeah uh, especially that they named the uh, the uh, the airplane Asara. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was all the R&D department uh, coming together to finish the project because they wanted to uh, honor her. 
What would happen if he'd crashed? <laughs> that that's the bad ending is that <laughs> you, do, you don't spend enough in the R and D department, so they don't have the funds to finish the plane. So the plane comes in, uh, you get the uh, you jump off the uh, the uh, fabulous Hitler's uh, mega cock tank. <laughs> And the engine dies, and you crash and blow up in the field. That would be sad. <laughs> uh, the last thing that I would really want to talk about, uh, and I, I suppose this will be a briefer discussion, possibly, uh, art style. Art style, it's one of those things that annoyed me at the very beginning, particularly the border around everything. It's a very hand-drawn art style, but most of that is due to a filter put on the screen. As a matter of fact, there's mods that remove the drawn effect that makes it look more like a standard game. It's one of those things that it took me a while to really get used to it, but still the border can be very annoying, especially when the game draws attention to something off screen. And yeah, the character's looking at the border and has that that just line drawing where the border is. What do you think of the art style? I love the art style. Uh, I also like the border. Um, it makes it feel because so the the main way that you interface with everything is through this sort of journal. Yeah. And uh, the missions and and everything are uh, like pictures in the journal, and you click on the picture, and that brings up the mission briefing or a, a cutscene. Yeah, which or does get old after a while. Whenever you have a good you know four or five to go to the next uh, campaign mission. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like different tabs to represent like. You know, you turn to this in the journal, and oh, here's the the encyclopedia in the game, and oh, here's the base and all that jazz. Yeah, so. uh, go to the tab to the uh, to the base to uh, level up your troops. Maybe that's why you didn't level up your troops that much. Was that you have to jump through so many hoops to get back to the base to level up troops? Well, I also leveled up all my troops really equally. I, I did for uh, the most part. Most of my troops uh, when I stopped were. About level seven with the scouts getting a bit more experience just because I, were, I was using Elisa a lot more. And uh, they, that's the reason why I started focusing on them. And I just happened to get the, uh, you know, the giant uh, <laughs> grenade rifle. Yeah, I also, I mean, I did not try and rush through to get bonus points or whatever. I always took my time. So there were very few missions that I that I finished in less than, say, 10 to 15 turns. Uh, it really uh, depends on the mission the... for me. Some of them I took my time. Others I was able to rush, particularly whenever the princess was kidnapped. I, I did that exceptionally quickly. Yeah, that's the one where you have to not destroy but disable the armored car, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, let's just put it this way. I, I, I think I got a B ranking on that, not even trying to rush it, or not even... Well, uh, trying to really rush it, I guess I should say. Well, I just happened to uh, run an engineer to the right place to find the car. I diverted the car with uh, the tank, which I'm wondering if going back to the skirmish where you have the second tank, how much easier that makes because you could block off more than one route. Probably would make that a lot easier. And I ran it right to Rosie, who just destroyed the car. (laughs) Yeah. I uh, I didn't do any skirmishes. I tried a couple of the challenges, but I tried them, I think, when my levels were too low, and I just got demolished, so I didn't do any more yeah, challenges. Yeah, some of the skirmishes are kind of counterintuitive, because, uh, especially like the sniper mission, 
you need to take uh, – you, you would think you know, a sniper and engineer to uh, replenish your ammo supplies, but you're going to fail that way. You actually need to take in something like a scout that would be able to t- uh, pick off someone that's running for the base. Then once you pick off all those, then you're able to go on the offensive. Actually, I think I did manage to beat the scout mission. Well, that's the sniper mission that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But you said scout. I, that made me think. I think I actually managed to beat the scout mission. I don't think I ever tried the scout mission. I only tried the sniper mission. I never beat it, but I got close. But I just got... Uh, I missed a sniper, and I just didn't want to uh, deal with it anymore. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, anyways, back to the art style, though. I really, really do like the art style. I... I like it. Feels very much like storybook esque. Yeah, I, but... I do like that. It's just, uh, yeah, you know, it took a while for it to grow on me, to be honest. And I will say that the music is done really well in the game as well. Yeah, it yeah, has, I do really like it, the music. It hits the beats really well, and uh, it's one of those things that a lot for me uh, for video game music is that it needs to help set the proper mood. Uh, so, uh, whenever Alicia gets shot and when Asara gets shot, uh, yeah, those uh, themes uh, really help set the somber esque uh, uh, tone that was going on. Granted, you know, I was still taking some of the shit out of the games, like Medic? Medic? Medic! Okay. Cool. So. Yeah, we have said more negative things than positive things about this yeah. game, but I really, really <laughs> did love it. I mean, I'm a huge story person, and for me, the story is wonderful, and the gameplay's not bad. It's pretty solid. It's got its quirks, and it, it can be a bit fiddly, but overall, it's not bad. So even though I think I'm complaining more about the gameplay than saying nice things about it, the gameplay was good and got me from story beat to story beat, and the story was amazing, Yeah, in, I will in say my opinion. The ending, so. uh, it was a little cheesy, but... It still had that uh, moment where it felt like a good ending point for their story. Because, yeah. this, like I said before, this isn't really the story of Squad 7. This is the story of Welkin and Alicia. Yep, it's their love story. Love. I did like the cheesiness of it, but, I mean, of course <laughs> I would, you know. Of course you would. <laughs> I would have been so shocked if you didn't like how a, a little bit cheesy and cliche the ending was, but at the same time, it made sense for the two of them because Wilkin uh, at the beginning talked about he didn't want to go into the military like his father. He wanted to be a teacher, and that's what he ended up being. And that had it where he was, you know, just a civilian uh, making a difference with kids. Yep, and that's exactly what they showed at the ending, uh, especially with his own. Yeah, I, I did really like the ending, and uh, and the fact that they uh, named uh, their child, their daughter, after uh, his uh, dead sister. You know, yeah. I mean, that shows that they never uh, got over it, at least to me. Sort of that was that was their way of getting some closure on it. Yeah, uh, letting the legacy continue on. I think. Yeah, uh, 
one thing I do want to ask you is what do you think about the reveal of the princess not being a Valkyr, but being Darson and uh, the entire uh, stereo or the entire stigma that they had and her conflict with that. That was an interesting thing that I wish that they showed a post story. I really wish they'd spent more time on that in the story. There's some more stuff in the encyclopedia again that, that talks about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that story point kind of came out of nowhere for me. I mean, well, it makes sense I, looking back at it because she was so conflicted in what Welkin said to her. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's, um, I, I'm, I'm not the person you think I am, so it's not going to help you. Well, too bad. You're, we're going to get married anyway. We're going to fucking have a lot of kids. Yeah. Because fabulous Hitler has to have his Eva Braun, I guess. Which I guess that would be the Valkyr that he had going in. Very why did he fuck her if he was trying to have the bloodline? An excellent question. The world may never know. I be mean, I realize, you know, the uh the royal bloodline, but at the same time, you know, you have one literally in the palm of your hand. And his Indeed. Uh, backstory once uh, fabulous Hitler's uh, the entire reason of him uh, launching this war to begin with uh, as sort of a retribution uh, once again was completely glossed over in the last like five minutes of the game wasn't it yeah they did uh, again uh, it felt like a lot of hand waving like we've got a story and if you want to go read in the encyclopedia or go watch in the anime uh, you can do that yeah, I have a feeling, uh, it, this, uh, this is going to sound really really mean to this game it feels almost like how an anime would occasionally you know, have this sun ending as almost an advertisement to the manga. This almost felt like that for the anime, even though I realized that the anime came out a couple years after the fact. So I'm not sure if it was in production yet or not, but it felt like a lot of the story elements was almost teased to force you to go uh, watch the anime which seemed to uh, flesh out a lot of the story elements a lot more, or go in and read the encyclopedia, which I'm not sure how many of the story elements that I particularly wanted to see was fleshed out, like you know, that extra bit where you know, it revealed that she was Darson, and you know, the reaction to everyone, it's like, and everyone was shocked, but they got over it. Yeah. Also, it could be, uh, so I don't know if you knew this, I didn't discover this until I went to go look at the wiki today, but there's actually seven Valkyria, or seven games in the Valkyria Chronicles Yeah, this is only the series. first one, uh, but so, also only, this is the only one that really focuses on Woken and Alicia. The other ones are other conflicts, and some of them are the same conflict, but the same, but uh, from a different point of view. Uh, some of them uh, different squads that sort of thing but at the same time it still feels much like an incomplete story and that's the, that's the thing is that there are story elements that should be here that aren't it doesn't yeah. make the game bad it doesn't make the story bad but it, at the same time it makes me want you know, why aren't you uh, fleshing this out when you have four and a half hours a cut scene yeah. Or even if they wanted to uh, really dicky over, 
have it be one of those bonus episodes that you unlock at the writing on the wall uh, yeah with all, yeah, like the 50,000 for that one uh chapter that uh, uh, that I had ch- a chance to unlock I mean that 50,000 that's two battles for me <laughs> not upgrading yeah, or a lot of took a while to to grind out I just didn't want to do the grinding. I just wanted to play through and get the story, ultimately. Like I said, the gameplay mechanics got boring and they were fiddly. And I was like, I can, I'm can, i good at strategy games. I can beat this without grinding to get the best character levels and gear and everything. So, Yeah, which I was, I was doing all right. Granted, I got very frustrated with some of the things, particularly whenever I was dealing with an invincible unit. That was the most annoying thing for me. And why I ended up setting down the game originally in the first place was that that invincible unit, that the moment you poke your head out, she starts shooting at you and will take off a good quarter of your life with every yeah. single shot was just bullshit. Yeah. Jammed and, her up with the tank, I did. Yeah, because you got lucky on placement. I got really lucky on my placement, yeah. Right place, right time. I got her trapped in a corner with the tank and i mean honestly if it was real life she would have just went oh i can just step down this because it's only like two feet and walk around but yeah, that's thankfully they adhere to the same video game logic that i did i had to so i trapped her in a corner well that's something else is that uh the ai can be very dumb at times <laughs> i mean very very dumb I had uh, several times where an enemy would just walk back and forth in front of my tank and you know, with my tank shooting at it the entire time and killing it. I had times where the enemy had an obvious way to kill me and would not take it. It's just you know, one of those things where the AI felt like it wasn't quite as intelligent as it could be, uh, for, especially for the difficulty level of the missions. But maybe that's you know the uh, the tuning knob that they were doing you know uh, have it where outside of boss battles the game is it has a certain difficulty but not too difficult mm-hmm. to allow you to try to do that speed run uh, rush to uh, get that S rank or A rank I'm not sure which is the top uh, uh, if it's A or S depending on you know because that's how uh, at least uh Japanese games go as they usually have the S rank as top but eh. it's just one of those things that it's how they probably how they built the game really and if they had it where you got a better rank for taking less damage or you know uh, being safer with your units then the stupid AI would be a lot more unforgivable but in this case I kind of understand why it's like this yeah you do get some bonuses. I mean, they are nothing yeah, there, compared yeah, there to the are, time bonus. But yeah, there are some, some for for killing, particularly killing aces, killing captains, and killing tanks. But honestly, most of those usually take more than one shot. Yeah, and, unless you have a really, really good sniper. <laughs> yeah. So, anything else we want to talk about on Valkyria Chronicles, or have we finished this off? I think we finished it. I mean, overall, I like the game. I'd recommend it to anybody who uh, likes good stories in games, perhaps alternate or sort of uh, 
fictional or fantasy type World War Two stuff? Well, when I originally started playing this game, uh, friend of mine recommended to watch the anime first and then play the game. And now I really understand why, <laughs> because I do think that, uh, or if you're going to play this game, I would say watch the anime alongside it to get some of the more story elements. That may be the way to play it. Actually, is uh, watch an episode or two, then play the story, or play a couple. Uh, chapters then watch the anime some more and catch back up granted there is filler in the anime there's obviously uh, uh episodes that you know don't need to be there they're just there to pad out the seasons but it does look like that would be like the best combination to get the complete story without spending a lot of time reading the encyclopedia yeah i, I think i agree I mean, I haven't watched the anime, but I, I haven't I watched intend it either. To. I sat down and I looked at some of the synopsis, and the moment I saw, yeah, Rosie dealing with survivor guilt in an episode, it's like, where the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to. I mean, uh, that's the that's the, probably the biggest thing is the fact that they glossed over that. That's the one thing that stuck out to me so much. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so. Uh, with nothing else left to say, Rachel, oh, we have next game? Of, we have plenty more to say. It's just not about Valkyria Chronicles. Yeah. Fair enough. So what's our next game that we're playing, so, Rachel? Uh, we still live in a dictatorship, mostly thanks to Kyle. That's right. <laughs> so we get to choose. And our next game, well, we're going back to school with this one. We're going to be playing Life is Strange. Indeed. So both you and I wanted to play this game when we did the February game club, uh, and I believe it was Jim who yeah. suggested that we should play this. Um, yeah, so Jim, this one's for you. This and one's for th- you, th- This was an episodic game, which thankfully is completely out now. That that honestly feels like the way to play episodic games, really. is. I agree. Unless you really, really, really are invested in the story uh, ahead of time for some reason, if it's uh, particularly a Telltale game that's in a, a universe that you really like, it doesn't really pay off to play an episodic game before it's fully out. No, if they would release them, like, weekly, then maybe. But honestly, I would probably still wait and just buy them and play them, you know, in chunk form wholesale. So yeah, next time we're going to be doing Life is Strange. Looking forward to that. I haven't been intending to play that game for a long time, and every time, like I go to start playing it, something else comes up. So yeah. now I I have to play it. <laughs> well, you don't have to. I mean, uh, Crimson Skies proved that much. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> very true. But no, I I will play it. Okay. Well, uh, I need a break. All right. So how about we do that and then come back and pick up from there? All right. Then uh, into the elevator. Okie dokie. So, moving on to our topics. We don't think we're going to cut anything this week, so... Uh... New games are, uh... Being proposed for the World Game... Or the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Yeah, I saw this pop up on my Twitter feed earlier today, and I thought, you know, this is 
interesting enough, and it's likely to be the question of the week as well. Uh, the World Game Hall of Fame. This is actually a fairly new thing. It's only been going for a few years now. And this is the new class that's getting... A, a, well, they say finalist. I'm not sure if all of these are getting added or if uh, they're going to cut down this list some more. But it seemed like an interesting thing to add. Yeah, so we figured we'd just go through. There's not too many games. There's a... What is it, like 10? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 13. Oh, 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 I started counting and then you started counting out loud and threw mine off. <laughs> or maybe I uh, was counting uh, the different list. Well, I was because th- this, some this, of them are together, though, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's probably the thing because, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the well, they also you may have been counting a different list because they say that uh, uh, they also list out all the games that are in the uh, Hall of Fame already. Uh, okay. And it does seem like they cut down the list pretty significantly if uh, this is the full list uh, of what's in the Hall of Fame. So let's just go ahead and uh, dive into this. The, like I said, the Hall of Fame is a very new thing going on. And, well, uh, only active for a few years. Yeah. Um. So, let's see, 12 games. Oh, it says here 12 games under consideration. Ah, it says <laughs> it. Yeah, okay, so that's, that's what we get for uh, glancing over this. Yeah, so the first one on the list, uh, Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, should we just take these in uh, order that they're on the uh, list here? Yeah, uh, that's what I was... Just talk about, uh, about them individually, or uh, list about, then talk about them? Uh, let's talk about each of them individually. Just, do you think it deserves to be in the uh, in the Hall of Fame, and why, or why not? Just... I, I, I would agree with Final Fantasy VII. I don't think it's, uh, it's definitely not my favorite, and I don't think it's the best Final Fantasy game. I know it's sacrilege, but no, I'm it, with you on that one, actually. But it's really the uh, the it's the Final Fantasy game that really popularized uh, the JRPG genre into mainstream Western audiences. Yes, I realize that during this uh, Super Nintendo era, there were Final Fantasy games. There was Chrono Trigger. There were other games that were popular in the Western markets, but. Final Fantasy VII is the first game that I remember commercials mainstream of. Uh, that was a JRPG. Yeah. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII was the first, actually the first Final Fantasy game I ever played. Uh, again, not my, I don't think it's the best. It's definitely not my favorite, but I mean, it was the one that introduced me to the JRPG genre. And like you said, that brought it into the main, mainstream Western audiences. Um, and it's the one that the most people recognize, I think. So, yeah, I think so. I think I think Final Fantasy VII is probably the most popular of the Final Fantasies. I, I think that's a fair statement. Particularly, it's it's Final Fantasy VII. I think has the most spinoffs from it because they have two anime that I can think of right off the bo- uh, top of my head, including one that's essentially an epilogue of the story. They're remaking Final Fantasy VII as a uh, as an episodic game, which uh, I have no idea how they're going to pull that one off. And also, Final Fantasy VII has the most uh, cameos in uh, other Square Enix games or well, Square Soft games uh, at the time. So yeah, I think it's definitely the 
uh, the most popular of the Final Fantasies and definitely deserves to be on there because of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, <laughs> before we read the next one, were you, are you looking at the list that's at the uh, bottom so, of the page or the I'm, one in the middle I'm of the looking, paragraph? I'm looking at the second paragraph. Okay. That actually doesn't have all the games in it. The list oh. at the bottom of the page has them all. Okay. I, well, it's okay. We'll, we'll it's read okay. the second one here. Uh, we'll we'll uh, skip down to the uh, the bottom one uh, and then... Uh, the bottom list, and then just uh, skip uh, the second entry, which is Final Fantasy VII. That seems like the best way to do this. Yeah. So uh, the the first one on the bottom list is a uh, Donkey Kong uh, from 1981. So would this be the original Donkey Kong? Yeah, this Kong? would be the original uh, arcade Donkey Kong, which uh, definitely uh, I think also has a very deserving place. Granted, Donkey Kong is kind of faded. Uh, uh, into like a secondary character for Nintendo for the most part. When was the last time that they really had a major Donkey Kong game? Probably Donkey Kong 64. Was there a Donkey Kong game on like GameCube or anything? I don't recall one, but that doesn't really mean much because the GameCube was a console that I didn't really look at. Well, I suppose the there's much. been. There's I'm not. Been, like, I'm, not con- I'm not talking in things like Donkey Konga, where it's a music game with a skin of Donkey Kong on it. I'm talking about a full-blown Donkey Kong game where you're playing as Donkey Kong in uh, some sort of format. There was the Donkey Kong Blizzard something or other, actually, that came out for Wii or Wii U. I think that was the last one. Uh, yeah, but is that just a bunch of mini games? <laughs> no, no, it's a full-on uh, okay. uh, well, side-scrolling uh, Donkey Kong game. All right, because yeah, immediately whenever I hear a Wii or Wii U uh, game, I immediately start thinking, okay, how much shovelware is this? <laughs> yeah, no, it was an actual legit Donkey Kong game. I don't know how good it was. I'm I've never played it, um, but I remember seeing it. The last one though that I really think of honestly is Donkey Kong sixty four. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the last one for uh, me as well. It's really. Uh, like I said, he's become a secondary character, uh, uh, ironically, to Mario, because, um, well, it wasn't Mario originally, it was Jumpman, who originally, who uh, kind of morphed into Mario for Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. So, it's kind of funny how the villains kind of become the secondary character for what was a prototype of Nintendo's big, uh, major mascot now. It's kind of interesting yeah I'm not I definitely understand why it's here though because Donkey Kong really launched Nintendo into the uh, video game market yeah that's the thing I'm I'm pretty sure Nintendo had had something to do with uh, the original Donkey Kong at least I mean it's um, Morioto so Shigeru Miyamoto? Yeah, Miyamoto, sorry. I'm terrible with Japanese names. Well, I'm terrible with names in general, but still. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Yeah, I see why it's here on the list. I agree with you with why it's on the list. I'm not sure if it should belong in the video game Hall of Fame, although I guess it depends on how you personally sort of interpret that phrase, because I'm thinking of, like, the greatest games of all time. But I suppose it could be, you know... Final well, Fantasy well, VII well, is more of is a that, cultural significance. And, well, well, that's the thing, is that this isn't the best games of all time. This is the supposed to be the most impactful, or the ones that made the biggest difference. Yeah. That's... Um, 
what all these games have in common is their undeniable impact on the world of gaming and popular culture. That's yeah. why they are, are entered in the Hall of Fame. Not because they're the best. Yeah. I suppose, uh, even then, though, I'm not sure how much of an impact Donkey Kong specifically had. Although I suppose that it did kind of kickstart the career of Shigeru Miyamoto, which yeah. who he went on to create many, many uh, beloved Nintendo characters. So I suppose if Donkey Kong had been a huge flop, he he might not have done that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go with it on that. I've, I've talked myself into it. Yeah, well, uh, should I just shut up for this next one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so next on the list, uh, Halo Combat Evolved. Which I'm actively playing on my channel right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Halo basically kicked off, for better or worse, the modern FPS genre. Um, I mean, we've talked at length about Halo in the last couple of episodes. Yeah, so we don't really need to talk too much about it uh, on this one. Honestly, though, I'm not sure if Halo belongs in the Video Game Hall of Fame. I love the game. I would defend it. Or at least this Halo. Yeah. I mean, I, I, love, the, I love the game. Obviously, I would defend it to the death in many, many, many categories. But, I mean, impact in the market. It, well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's that Halo, its biggest impact wasn't it sales or even the uh, the developing of the Halo franchise that's become that is today? It's because of all the mechanics that they introduced and all the mechanics that they perfected over the uh, the generations of Halo. Yeah, but a lot of people would say that those were not the proper direction to take the genre. I mean, that's the way yeah, that but, it went. But yeah, but here's the thing: is that it's not if it's the proper direction, it's how much of an impact it made. And that's where the the catch is. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, I definitely understand why it's here. I'm not 100% sure if I agree with it. Uh, I would put other shooters in first, and uh, they have other shooters in the Hall of Fame. We'll probably, uh, we should probably talk about what's in the Hall of Fame as well after this. But, uh, yeah, shall we move along to uh, uh, probably the weirdest choice here but it's one yeah. of those that uh, that sitting down thinking about it, it's like i understand why it's here yeah microsoft windows solitaire <laughs> yep launched in 1991 yeah which the reason why solitaire is in or at least was in windows i think you have to actually download it now as an app which, yeah you uh, do uh, i fucking hate windows 10's app store uh the reason why it was in Windows to begin with was to teach people how to use the mouse. And it is a great way to teach mouse control and how to uh, quickly move uh, things around. So for that, I definitely understand why. Granted, you know, I would probably not put it in the first few classes, but eh. <laughs> It is an odd entry on the list but yeah i totally can see why it's here but also one of those uh it's one of those games that's seen uh, has there been anyone that hasn't played windows solitaire that's used a windows machine at some point that is a good question i know i've played it plenty of times and and that's where the thing is is how impactful that uh, little silly game is yep so next on the list Mortal Kombat, the uh, the original Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, the 1992 version. And I would say, yeah, but not for Mortal Kombat itself, but for the fact that 
uh, the impact it had in creating the video game rating board in the United States, the ESRB. ESRB. Because Mortal Kombat is one of the key games that caused that. Yeah. And uh, caused people to really start paying attention to what video games can be. Yep, and kicked off the decades-long misnomer that video games cause violence. Yep. Thanks, Mortal Kombat. I mean, I really can't blame Mortal Kombat. It's more parents freaking out for no reason and not taking the time to understand it because they see video games as a toy and not a tool. Right. Right. I don't really have anything to add or take away from Mortal Kombat. I totally agree with you 100%, and I feel like it should be on the list for that reason. Yeah. So, uh, next, I'm not super familiar. So, next on the list is Mist. I'm not super familiar with Mist. I mean, I've obviously heard of Mist, but yeah, I've never played well, the original Mist. Let's put it this way Kyle actually sent me uh, the remake of Mist. <laughs> uh, he wanted me to put it on my channel, but it just wouldn't record all that well. Which is why Halo eventually got bumped up because that was going to be my next project after it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Mist is a game that it's also one of those games that's kind of a relic of the past. It was really showing off what CD uh, capacities could do, what they were able to do with all the extra space. Because before that, games were on multiple uh, discs, <laughs> and that's a huge jump in storage space from. A couple of floppy disks to a CD-ROM, and right. I think that's yeah. It's one of the first games, or I shouldn't say one of the first because I'm not sure of the release times on that. But it's one of the games that really made the impact with the medium. Does it belong there? I don't know. I'm sure Kyle will uh, let us know. <laughs> yeah, like like I said, I'm not very familiar with Mist, so I couldn't say one way or the other. Uh, okay. Next. Pokemon Red and Green. And if you're going red and green, it's supposed to be blue. Well, these are the original Japanese versions. uh, Green was basically turned into blue with a few alterations on uh, the contents of the particular uh, pocket monsters, if I call my uh, lore correctly. But uh, Pokemon, uh, outside of Tetris, is probably the biggest uh, system seller for the original Nintendo Game Boy. And And many Game Boys since then. Yeah, and on top of that, the just juggernaut that <laughs> is Pokemon these days. I mean, just anime that's ongoing to this very day. I, I, I'd hate to even think of the runtime of that anime. I mean, I know it's not one of the longest because some one of the longest anime has uh, been ongoing from like the '60s, if I recall correctly. But it's definitely up there. And the fact that yeah, trading cards, multiple uh, versions of uh, the games, and the fact that they could double dip pretty easily just by splitting the uh, individual characters in the game. I yep. mean, it's, I mean, it's definitely belongs on there to me. It's hard, to, it's hard to argue why it shouldn't be. Yeah, it's hard to argue against Pokemon. Well, they say it here over eight hundred uh, television episodes and seventeen movies. Yeah, Pokemon is just a juggernaut in the industry. Even when it's kind of in the recesses and not at the, you know, in the limelight, Pokemon just still just keeps going and is eating everything in its path. <laughs> uh, so next, Portal. Um, uh, Portal's a great game. 
yeah, a lot of interesting sure design one. mechanics. But uh, but here's the thing: is uh, cultural impact. People drove others crazy with the whole the cake is a law thing, and like let's call it. 2007 to 2000. When did Portal 2 release? <laughs> because that's pretty much the, Because that's uh, pretty much uh, yeah the entire era of the cake is a law. Yeah. Um. So for cultural impact, it's definitely there. But the thing is, Portal is not exactly Valve's biggest franchise. I would uh, go to say. If I were to put a, a Valve game on this list, I'd put Half Life Two. I would uh, be. It would be a toss up between that and Counter Strike for me. Ooh, Counter Strike's a good one. Yeah, massive impact on that. Uh, I, I, you know, Portal's a great game, and it's nice that they've like considered it. But yeah, I would pick out several of Valve's other games ahead of Portal, and just about every other game on this list, I would be like, well, it's better now, than. Now, where I would give it to Portal is uh, the fact that it could show that dark humor works really well in a game when it's done right. Yes, humor has uh, uh, been done a lot before, but I would say Portal is probably the best example of a dark humor game. And one of those uh, hints that, yeah, something deeper is going on until it, the big reveal. Yeah. But even then, you know, I would put other games ahead of it. As much as I love Portal, I, you know, it's a weird one for me. Yeah. So next on the list, Resident Evil, the original Resident Evil from 1996. This uh, one I haven't played, so I really can't talk too much about it. The original Resident Evil, uh, in in terms of gameplay design, uh, had a lot of innovative mechanics for then. I mean, looking back on it now, trying to if you went back to play it now, you'd be like, God, this is old and terrible, and it sucks, but yeah, that's the it actually had a lot of the games is that sometimes it's hard to because yeah, we moved on. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was the first horror game. Um, it, well, not the first horror game, but like the, again, one of the games that sort of introduced horror to the mainstream uh, in Western culture was Resident Evil. Plus, on top of that, I mean, it's got a ton of games. Not all of them great, but a ton of games, a huge fan base, movies. Uh, all kinds of all kinds of things that have come out of the original Resident Evil, so it makes sense from a, a to be there from a cultural and uh, innovation standpoint in gaming. Okay, well, next up, uh, talking about well, a game that has some really bad movies, <laughs> Street Fighter Two. <laughs> oh, this one I definitely agree with, uh, just because. I think Street Fighter 2 is probably up there for the most popular fighting game of all time. Yeah. Uh, granted, yeah, there's that. a, there's a, you know, a, who knows how many different variations of Street Fighter 2, but it's one of those games that really, that and Mortal Kombat were the two fighting games back in the day. Uh, yeah. In arcades. Yes, there were others, but yeah, if you didn't have a Street Fighter or uh, a, uh, Mortal Kombat machine, you know, the arcade just sucked. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I've played plenty of Street Fighter 2 in the arcade at uh, at the CC's Pizza <laughs> when I was like, when I was a kid and into my early teenage years. I don't even know if if that, if it's still there, if that 
I'm sure that CC still has an arcade. Maybe I can do that this week or next week. Go check out the CC's pizza. Get some really cheap buffet pizza and go see if the Street Fighter 2 machine's still in their arcade. Yeah, that would be an interesting little field trip for you. Yeah. And uh, probably uh, need a rest after all the stuff you put up with, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it'd probably be a bad idea to go there, though, because of my lactose intolerance and cheap pizza would make it worse. Okay, next on the list, Tomb Raider, the original Tomb Raider. Uh, Pretty hard to argue against this one, too. I I would say it would make a lot more sense. Well, without the reboots, uh, you know, probably 10 years ago. Yeah, that, that's the thing is that the the reboots. I I'm going to argue that they're Tomb Raider only in name. They're so removed from the feel of the old Tomb Raiders that they're more uh, Uncharted games than anything else with just Laura Croft in them. Yeah, the new Tomb Raiders definitely take a lot of influence from Uncharted. For good um, or bad, it's up to you. I mean, it's definitely they're definitely not like the Tomb Raiders evolved, which makes me feel like Tomb Raider's been thrust back into the limelight, but at the same time, it's not Tomb Raider. Still, though, I think that the old Tomb Raiders uh, deserve the recognition. I mean, there weren't a lot of games that featured strong female protagonists True. back then. Honestly, there's not a lot of games now that feature strong female protagonists. Uh, plus, it was a pioneer in uh, polygon technology and third-person especially, action games. Uh, especially uh, certain pointy polygons. <laughs> yeah. Those two pyramids right on the chesticle. Um, but so I think it pioneered some technology. It it uh, was one of the first to say, hey, ladies can be more than just rescue objects or sex objects in games. Let's make the ladies be cool and awesome and someone that you'd like to be. I have a, I have a one-word like rebuttal. Be. What? Samus. I didn't say that that Tomb Raider was the only one. I said she was one of the first ones. And many people didn't realize Samus was a girl True. until much later. I mean, you could in the original Yeah, but that uh, was Metroid. a speed run, if I recall yeah. correctly. Yeah, you had to speed run it to get the Zero Suit Samus. So. Um, okay. Uh, so, final one for this is uh, Wii Sports. And I definitely agree with this one. Uh, as strange as it sounds... And yes, yes, I realize it is a mini game compilation, but the thing is that this is video games for a lot of people that aren't core gamers. Yeah, especially uh, whenever the Wii is one of those weird consoles. Well, it's a Nintendo console, so of course it's a weird console. But it's a strange console in that they broke into markets that you wouldn't otherwise think of, especially. For the older crowd, or the extremely young crowd, who traditionally would get maybe a handheld, uh, you know, once they got towards the middle school age. But the Wii was a lot more accessible to them. And Wii Sports, the pack-in title of it, uh, was, even though it was just a bunch of mini games, they were fun enough to grab the attention and the imagination of people. So I definitely understand why it's here, and I agree with it. Yeah. I totally agree as well. I mean, there, are, I I have several like family members and and friends, family members and things like that. You go over to their house, they've got a Wii, and the only thing that they have is Wii Sports, 
and those people will beat the pants off of you at bowling and tennis. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, should we uh, quickly go over what's already in the game Hall of Fame just to pad out things a little bit more? Unless it gives us more games to talk about. Oh, we can, um, but I'm I'm looking at my clock, not necessarily the recording timer, but my clock, thinking that I would like to get through this uh, well, in the next quickly half hour. Them, uh, let's see if there's anything that you really want to talk about. Uh, Doom? Sure. Uh, I mean, absolutely, Doom. And I'm the assuming original they, FPS. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming the original. They don't have years on this. GTA 3, which is the first GTA that was in, uh, uh, well, 3D, and uh, really changed up how the game played to more of a overarching story than, yeah, just random uh, violence. Yes, I've, I'm pretty sure there was a story in GTA 1 and 2, but it was more just almost score attack back then. Yeah. <laughs> Getting points for running people over. That's the game that I've carried into my real life. Oh, my. The Legend of Zelda. Uh, once again, I'm assuming the original, and I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, The Legend of Zelda is, is up there, uh, or the Zelda franchise is up there with, like, Mario mm-hmm. for some of the most recognizable characters on the planet. Yeah. It, yeah, Nintendo has done really well marketing their characters to the non-gaming crowd. If you, th- if you had a picture of Link next to Master Chief... I think more people would be able to recognize Link than Master Chief in the general public. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so the Oregon Trail, making dis- uh, dysentery fun. <laughs> and once again, uh, uh, a very, very very old game, and uh, a game that uh, was borderline educational, but at the same time not. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, Pac-Man. Hard to argue with that. Yeah. I mean, it's Pac-Man. Yeah. Grand Pac-Man isn't exactly relevant these days, but, you know, the cultural impact of Pac-Man uh, in the early 80s. Let's see, Pong. Once I again, mean, the same thing. Well, not technically the first video game. Pong is like uh, uh, Pong what everyone was the first arcade uh, machine, wasn't it? Mm. Or one of the first arcade machines. I think Pong was the first in-home, uh, like, per- home console, basically. Like, Pong was yeah. a home console. Yeah, I think it was, was the first home console. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that there were other consoles before it, but Pong machines, there were just a slew of different variations and it's part of the reason why we saw the video game crash was just the saturation yeah okay the sims <laughs> once again hard to argue against it's yeah one, one of those uh it's a one of those games that for non-gamers almost okay uh sonic the hedgehog once again hard to argue uh he was uh, for a while, uh, up there with Mario uh, for popularity. Granted, he's kind of you know fallen by the wayside, and then Sega kind of just shat itself. <laughs> yeah, poor Sega. Let's see, um, uh, Space Invaders. Once again, a very early arcade uh, title. Yep, but also a, a game that's difficult to argue against. I think. Yeah, Tetris. 
if it wasn't uh, uh, if Pokemon wasn't the system seller for the Game Boy, it was Tetris. <laughs> yeah. Uh, World of Warcraft, which was pretty much uh, the MMO for many years and still ongoing. Granted, it is seeing a huge decline, but it's definitely hard to argue against uh, WoW. And then Super Mario Brothers, which they do uh, uh, mention that he got his uh, Mario got their, his start in Donkey Kong. <laughs> yep, and Mario, uh, the most recognizable yeah. video game character on the face of the earth. Yeah, probably I mean, I, I, in Alien Worlds too. Yeah, uh, it's hard to argue against uh, really putting. I would say just about any Mario game in. If it wasn't for Super Mario Brothers, I would say the other uh, Mario game I would put in would be Mario 64. Oh, yeah, that's that's a, a big one. So do you have any games that you would put in the uh, Video Game Hall of Fame? Hmm. I think for me it would be Mario 64 since it's not listed. Oh, just, uh, yeah, uh, just a knee-jerk first thing I think of. I'm thinking... Or, I think... or I, I, I got one other one. It's a very niche title. Rogue. Rogue would be a good one. That would I mean, definitely be a good it one. It spawned an entire genre of, uh, uh, well, the roguelike genre where diving into a dun- uh, procedurally uh, generated dungeon, uh, turn-based combat. It's uh, very niche. It's but there's still aspects of it to this day in various... Uh, granted, it is mostly indie titles still, but hmm. it's the other one I can think of right off the bat. Yeah. If I was going to induct a game into the Hall of Fame... I know, I'm asking I think you to I'd, think. I think I'd put the original Fallout. That's a good one. Um... It's the first one that comes to mind. And here comes the thinking part of the podcast. <laughs> While you pour some water. I'm actually sitting here braiding my hair. Making yourself look all pretty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... Uh, several of the games that I would have said or, are on the list. Uh, um, I, I, I'll throw out one more. Uh, Ultima Online. My Ultima. Oh, uh, it's what? Well, it's either th- uh, that or one of the old mud games, which I uh, I don't know well enough. But one of the very first big uh, MMOs. Mm-hmm. And I would say Ultima's probably the about the earliest you can get in the MMO genre before you start hitting uh, all the little random muds, yeah, you know, multi-user dungeons. Yeah. And it's it's either Ultima Online or EverQuest for uh, proto MMO. What about like uh, Zork? Zork is a good uh, one, yeah. Or really any of the text based uh, uh, RPGs. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, Adventures of Monkey Island. Ah, there you go. Uh, old LucasArts title. Yeah, or uh, maybe the Adventures of Sam and Max. Some of those old, kind of quintessential point and clicks. King's Quest. 
Ooh, King's Quest. Yeah, that's a good good one. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, uh, Age, another Age of Empires two. I, I realize King's Quest is uh, has a is it still ongoing that episodic game? I I never checked on it. I don't know if it died or not. Yeah, good question. But uh, I, I know King's Quest up until the episodic game came out uh, was kind of uh, yeah faded to obscurity. And King's Quest is also one of those games that it's a very doggy style of uh, point and click where the game can and will dick you over if you don't know exactly what to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it's gotten through five chapters. I don't know how many chapters they said they were going to do, but it's got five chapters. The, the recent, more recent King's Quest. All right. Um, and then I said the last one that I said was Age of Empires 2. Ah. That's a, a really good example. Uh, or even, uh, I would go Warcraft. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to go for uh, RTS. Yeah. League of Legends, maybe? Or Dota? I mean, uh, MOBAs are massive, yeah. and those are the two at the top. Yeah, I would uh, I would go probably. Well, it really depends on where you throw it. If you're throwing for cultural impact, I would give it to League of Legends. For developing the genre, though, I would go with the original mod of Dota. Yeah, and it does look like uh, King's Quest is uh, complete because it says all five chapters plus epilogue. Okay. Unless the epilogue just hasn't come out yet, which is very possible. So, uh. Does that wrap us up? Yeah. Unless you want to sit here and think about more games? <laughs> no, my, my thinker box is, is uh, not thinking you, you, too quickly. You, you thunk with your thinker uh, until your thinker is thunk out? Yeah, I'm foggy. Uh, do we want to talk Hearthstone real quick? Um, we can super quick. All right. Well, I, I was poking around and found this article. Hearthstone is killing itself. Which is a very interesting uh, point of view, and one that I really can't completely disagree with, to be perfectly honest. They're citing really low uh, or uh, downturn in both uh, sales on the mobile and desktop versions of uh, Hearthstone, uh, and with Hearthstone having a new expansion coming out, that's uh, you know not a good sign. Yeah, I don't think Hearthstone is exactly dying yet, but they have been seeing. A small uh, a decrease in sales in, in the last year. Um, I don't think that uh, Hearthstone is, has quite run its course, but there are now games that do the Hearthstone gimmick uh, cheaper and just as well. And then and there more are generous. See, uh, Fairy uh, uh, that I talked about earlier. It's, yeah, it's essentially Hearthstone with a strategy uh, with a turn-based strategy game mixed into it. Right. And and yeah, also there are now alternatives to Hearthstone that offer a lot more than Hearthstone. So I think the Blizzard fans, the the Warcraft fans will stick uh, you know, I think they're much more likely to stick with it. But the general population, a combination of burnout and then going to other games which have fairer business models and more to offer, uh, I think they're going to continue to lose their audience over the next few years they'll see a spike from the new release but or the, uh, the new expansion well, but well i think the, the main thing that's really hurt hearthstone in the long run is 
oh, this is going to sound uh, really disingenuous, but the fact that it's a Blizzard game, and Blizzard tends to make their games at a premium. And for a card game like this, where they're, they've been so stingy with what they've given, and where they haven't really given a really good catch-up mechanic outside of the Tavern Brawl, which still gives base cards, you know, the base decks, uh, the base uh, card packs. Uh, they made it where it's so expensive to even hope to compete, and the fact that you must win in order to get any rewards, it's uh, hurt them in the long run. Yeah. I agree. I mean, one of the main reasons that I left Hearthstone was because I just didn't feel like I could ever keep up, and I didn't want to waste my time trying. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, what happened with me, was I realized that there was uh, no way I was going to be able to uh, compete uh, with people that spent an absolute ton of money in this game. And because of how they have everything set up, the, granted, the, it, it's probably not entirely true because if you do really well in the arena, then yes, you could uh, probably use the catch-up mechanic there because they do give you a lot of stuff if you do well. But the thing is that it requires an exceptional amount of knowledge of the game, and that tends to be the people that put in money to begin with. Yeah. And I realized that they did put in the thing to try to do a reset with uh, how they've set it up where the base ranked mode now is only the last expansion or two and the last couple of adventures. And everything else gets thrown into the wild format, which is basically no holds barred. But at the same time, they've been setting it up where you have to basically put in a ton of money into each new expansion because the good cards from the old expansions are no longer available to play in the do ranked mode. And yeah. I'm just and I'm sitting here looking at the card list for the new expansion and there's some if they're not instant wins they're damn close. There's there's a few OP cards on the list for sure. And that's the mentality of Blizzard is that uh, they have this mentality of if everyone's overpowered no one is overpowered, but the thing is that you then run into the point where the people that uh, paid the for you know to get enough cards to get the uh, legendaries that uh, are pretty much instant wins or get the epics that just completely wipe the board the people that haven't put in the money just will not have those overpowered cards so yeah there you know it's not the whole if everyone's overpowered no it is it's you know I haven't put in enough money and gotten lucky enough. So I'm running into these decks time and time again and getting frustrated and eventually just quitting. Yeah. Which is a shame because Hearthstone definitely, if they, if they handled it a bit differently, I think it could have been a lot bigger of a card game. Granted, it is probably the biggest CCG out there right now still. But that's mostly riding on the EverQuest. Or it's not not the EverQuest, the World of Warcraft. I got thinking of my old EverQuest days. And I played both EverQuest and World of Warcraft for long periods of time. The old Warcraft skin that it still wears. And the fact that they also... They, they are absolute geniuses on how they marketed it. Where 
they'll release a little bit of cards and because it's a popular game, all the news outlets grab up. Well, check out this new Hearthstone card. And you see it in the news cycle for the first few weeks before and a couple after a new expansion comes out. So it gets all that essentially free marketing. Right. I just wish I wish they were a little bit more generous on how they handled things so that it didn't feel like, okay, I just got screwed over because I didn't put 50 bucks into this uh, game. Yeah. And you get even less for your 50 bucks now than you used to. Yeah, true. Right. Because they upped the price of cards in non-US territories. Yep. just one of those things that I oh, wish they handled it better me too probably be playing Hearthstone still if they did that and also they really rely almost too much on the uh, on the randomness of the of how they could make a digital card game to the point that it gets very frustrating to well you already have randomness because of uh, the nature of a card game I mean you're drawing cards but because they have cards that have so many random effects in them, you know, it comes down to more luck of the draw than a normal card game would have. Which is also very frustrating. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm pretty Uh, much uh, convinced that Hearthstone is impossible to play as a physical card game. Oh, yeah. It would... Maybe not... Well, no, it would be because... So there are cards effects. that can summon cards from the deck that you don't even own. So, mm-hmm. plus all of the calculation you would have to do to make some of the effects work. Yeah, you couldn't play Hearthstone any other way. Okay. Are we ready to move to Community Corner? Yeah, I think so. A very quick Hearthstone discussion. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we have a couple Hearthstone players out there. Yeah, I'm sure we do. I might be willing to get back to Hearthstone if some of you guys want to play with me, but please I, message me. I, I like Hearthstone randomly. as a bubble game, playing it on the weekend to check out the Tavern Brawl. But that's but that's only when it's not a paid Tavern Brawl, so it's yeah, Arena Plus, essentially. And, you know, I'm given a deck because I don't have the cards to catch up, and because of how the Tavern Brawl handles it, I'm not given the cards to catch up. Right. And it was just a pure fluke the last couple of wins I got uh, going into the uh, ranked mode where you you know, slowly grind out your money. Right. You should get Hearthstone. rewards for for ranked mode still, but they're not super great rewards. What they should do is have a login bonus for one. Uh, like Faria does, where you log in and you get a little bit of money. Not a huge amount. The daily quests need to be a little bit more generous. Uh, they have to have it where, or uh, well, no, they don't have to, but it would be nice to have you know some sort of as you level up, you get uh, money or something for that character. Granted, you do get the base cards for that hero, but that's it. <laughs> and then you start yeah. getting gold's versions of it. They need some sort of uh, maybe second set where. You know, you start getting more powerful cards, but even then, you start running into the problem of, you know, he played more. It's not, you know, he, yeah, you know, his strategy is more superior. Maybe that's why I like Fairy more. I don't know. 
Perhaps. Perhaps. My brain is, is getting even fuzzier, though, so why don't we move yeah, on to Community Corner? We have yeah, a short one this week. Sw- yeah. Yeah, Kyle sent in a joke voicemail when I mentioned that we didn't have any voicemail, and I think Jared's going to be way too quick to edit this to even bother putting it in, so... Sorry, I may. Kyle. I mean, it, if, was, it was cute. If I do, it'll be right here. Um, but yeah, it was just a cute little... It was like, what, six or seven seconds long? Yeah. Yeah. So, very funny, Kyle. Very funny. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, uh, question of the week. Uh, what is your opinion of the multiplayer treadmill? Kyle, stucks, bro. <laughs> and go shark. I don't like treadmills. They hurt my needs too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tweets, Kyle. Uh, right, but the college industry theory can't scale to the entire wasteland. That was my entire point at that. Uh, which... I'm going to rebut once again that uh, once again it comes down to just the scale of the colonies uh, because I'm looking at not the entire wasteland but groups, right? And so for their uh, local area, traders. yeah. I think that's what we said though for their local area. Yeah, yeah. Which once again, yeah, it, I think it really comes down to how you want to figure this out because but we're this is referring to the voicemail that. Collison in last week talking about how uh, ammo in the Fallout universe really doesn't make any sense. And outside of saying, you know, a vault did it, which is their version of a wizard did it, uh, probably the most reasonable explanation is that there's some sort of uh, small industry that each colony has where they're able to produce uh, ammo or it gets brought in from uh, long distance by traders by the bigger factions and it's just distributed. Yeah. Let's see. Ghost Shark. KSP building mod. I want to see uh, the old barn of VAB. Uh, man, I need to get back into that game. <laughs> Which they never really released the barn. They they threatened to a couple times and people got pissed at them. <laughs> it was supposed to be like a level zero version at one point, wasn't it? Of like yeah. the... Yeah. Yeah. Is there really any cosmetic difference in the different VABs? I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just the stats that change on the VAB. Yeah, yeah, it's the only building, I think, in Kerbal Space Program that doesn't have a visual change. Does the space plane hangar change? Oh, well, uh, well, it's combining down the space plane hangar. The space oh, plane okay. hangar doesn't change as well, as far as I could remember. Right, sorry, in my head, uh, yeah, I always combine the two. I don't know why. Well, I know why, you know, you build uh, things in them, but, yeah. Uh, Kyle, I won't spam the Twitter... Uh, thread with uh civ six stuff for once uh i can uh answer questions if you you have about the technical stuff uh, via text for civ six uh so yeah it's one of those things that i think i'm just gonna wait till a couple of expansions are out for that game i i gave it its first shake but the demo sucks <laughs> yeah the, de- the demo doesn't show me what i wanted to see and that's all the tweets this week awesome. if you wish to contact us get emails vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us vglpodcast on twitter awesome um so that brings us to discovery queue yep adjusting my chair hey guess what we get to talk about more games <laughs> if they're interesting or well the first one i got was a player unknowns battlegrounds which is essentially uh 
I believe this is the guy that made the mod for, uh, or uh, was one of the major people into the uh, the battle royale version of, of the survival, uh, uh, random uh, survival games that's been going around. And there's been some uh, a little bit of hype behind this. Well, let's put it this way: players right now, thirty-five thousand. All right, that's a few. Is it free to play or? Uh, no, it's paid. It's thirty bucks. Okay, so that's not a, super expensive. Yeah, but for a battle royale game, well, that's the thing is that there's not a lot of battle royale games. There's H one Z one, and there's I think a mode in DayZ, and that's really it. There's the calling, which pretty much fell on its face, to, as far as I know. As a matter of fact, I could go check that. Let's see the calling, which is a twenty-five dollar game. It's also early access, and it had an all-time peak of twelve thousand six hundred twenty-two players playing right now. Seventy-four. Oh, that's it. Seventy-four. <laughs> so many players. Not really. Yeah, yeah. That's that's domain sky level drop off. But that's the thing is that. All these battle royale games and all these random survival games, they languish in early access and only a couple ever release. And even then, it's, yeah, do they have the legs to continue? Because we have this nomadic player base that keeps going from one game to another in this genre, looking for the game that just has the staying power. Yeah. I'll put it on the list so people can look at it, though. I mean,. I mean, it's definitely the, the the game of this genre right now. It's just the question of, is it going to continue? Yeah. So I've had nothing but garbage on my list until this point. Constellation Distantia. It's got a gorgeous art style. It's a space... Let's see. Constellation Distantia fuses together a traditional text adventure and modern 3D gameplay. Players will unravel the mystery of Distantia in a game of twists and turns, missions, mining, and free-flying. Also available in VR. It looks kind of like just a, a space exploration game. There's probably some sort of story that you unfold, but the art style really is gorgeous. I'm going to I'll put this one on the list. Oh, you know what? I've got this. Instead of open this in the the Steam Web Client, there and and Chrome, not Steam Web Client. I've got it open in the Steam app. Oh, just right click and hit, uh, copy URL. Okay. <laughs> I love how I just uh, solved that problem for you. <laughs> just, you did solve okay. that problem. Okay. You just are sorry to my. I can do that. Uh, and I came up with pretty much random trash after that. Okay, I've still got a couple of games, or a few games on my Discovery queue, so let me get this in here. Uh, let's put it this way. The only uh, the games that were decent uh, have no player base, and they're multiplayer only. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'll put this on my <laughs> wish list. No. Night Star Rogue Wings. Oh. Never mind. No player base? 
No, it wasn't what I <laughs> what I thought it was right off the bat. I thought it was another space exploration game, but it's like a a shmup. Like their their first image is misleading. RC bot. Huh. Well, this looks interesting. Odd. RC Bot Inc. presents an entirely new gameplay technique that mirrors real-life motion. All gameplay input is used to control NVIDIA physics interactions such as force, impulse, and jolt, joint motors. Things that exist in real life, and the entire game is animation and scripting free. I don't understand. What? Um, huh. I'm, I'm looking for this now. RC Bot Inc. Yeah, I found it. That is... The, the the screenshots of this show nothing. Yeah, the screenshots are completely unhelpful, but it kind of looks nifty. I'm gonna put it on the list. Strange. Maybe someone in our audience will be into it. All right, this is my Let's last. Let's put it this game. way: uh, total playing right now zero all time. Uh, day, uh, today's peak zero all time peak. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's the development team. <laughs> All right, I finished my list. Well, that was a, a short one. That's good. I'm I'm good for short tonight. All right. Well, that brings us to our plugging and wrapping up portion of the podcast where I go first. Pretty easy for me this week. Nothing. <laughs> the only thing that's going to show up on my YouTube channel this week is going to be the podcast. And if you want to go watch the podcast on my YouTube channel, or if you happen to be on my YouTube channel or on someone else's YouTube channel, and you want to come to my YouTube channel, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow me and watch me tweet about all kinds of random things. I've tweeted about house stuff and about being tired and about politics and about food today. Mostly about politics and food. I was today. So uh, if you want a random assortment of things, or if you just want another way to contact me, you can follow me at JMA4707. Uh, streams are canceled for this week. So, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter for Wednesday. I've already tweeted about Wednesday, though, and I'll tweet again. Uh, I'm waiting to hear back from Ghost Shark to see if he wants to tackle doing character creation by himself. Uh, and as soon as he tells me, I'm going to tweet out about Friday. But I'm definitely not streaming. Um... And I wonder if Katie will let me borrow a decoy for a sidekick. She probably would. <laughs> probably would. So, yeah, no streams this week, but uh, there may still be Star Wars RPG Character Creator Night. Uh, I will announce things as soon as I hear from Ghost Shark, which hopefully when this podcast goes up, uh, if you happen to listen to it before Friday night, go check my Twitter feed and see if I post anything about Star Wars RPG Night if you're interested. Um, and you can follow me on Twitch, though, when I do stream games, uh, twitch.tv slash jarrether4707. And if you want to be friends with me on Steam, I chat with everybody who uh, friends me on Steam, and I accept everybody. So far, everybody's been cool. My Steam username is jarrether4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the word for this week is behoove. <laughs> Behoove is a good word. 
behoove. Very- I was I was watching this uh, the cutscenes from Valkyria Chronicles, and that word just jumped out at me. It's like, oh well, I know what the word is. <laughs> it behooves you to have a full vocabulary. All right, uh, what's going on for you? Well, my week is a bit off because I was rushing Valkyria Chronicles so much that I'm behind on my recording big time, and also. Because RimWorld decided to be a complete clusterfuck on my recording. Because I lost an entire night of recording, and that's usually a week and a half of RimWorld. And that's doubly worse for me, because I do double episodes of RimWorld. So that was six episodes of RimWorld. And what was happening was I was having an audio uh, just stutter. And it was happening every five seconds give or take a second or two. It was usable, but it was nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> so I ended up spending last night about three or four hours chasing down the issue. And I'm pretty sure it was just a Windows update completely wrecking the driver for my video, for, for oh, sorry, for my, uh, no, speak well, I do not, for my microphone. And the interaction between that and the video card and by a software recorder because it was only happening in OBS. Trying DXTory worked perfectly, but DXTory has its own issues with RimWorld, so I had to use OBS, and it just... I was displeased. (laughs) So I'm behind on my recording, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do for Divinity Original Sin as well because I only have one episode of that and I'm thinking about, depending on how my voice is after this, I may try to record a quick episode of uh, Faria to do some random filler. Or just skip uh, a Divinity completely this week, catch up on my rendering, and have a, still a extra episode in the bag. Because I still have one episode remaining before I'm out of episodes of it. Right. That would be fun. A Faria episode. Yeah, it's still going to be the early game content of me just mostly playing against the AI and learning different mechanics. Uh, Beyond that, Halo, I need to record more of that. Like I said, I'm far behind on my recording, mostly because of RimWorld. And RimWorld is my number one priority on the YouTube channel because it's the video series that actually gets views. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For some reason, Halo came out very dark and there's a micro stutter in it. I'm going to try to see if uh, OBS plays nicely with it. And if so, if the backer stutter is gone, if not, then yeah, I'll just use DX Tory and be done with it because uh, yeah, this is DX Tory hooking into a 16 year old game. So I'm thinking it's the recording software, just not playing li- nice with a very, very, very old game. Uh, Sunday sampler. I don't know what I'm going to be playing this week. I, I can't you know, get Jared to just giggle like a little school girl because, you know, I'm playing uh, essentially a porn game. (laughs) (laughs) Or what turned into just a porn game when I was hoping that, you know, it was going to be, you know, a porn or a plot, but eh. Uh, And, well, that's it with the podcast appearing there Friday. Well, assuming Jared edits this in time (laughs) and not die on me from exhaustion. You find all that on Gaming with Caffeine Rage. Or you can find me on Twitter, mostly bitching about RimWorld uh, lately, or RimWorld recording, or uh, OBS just freaking out on me. 
uh, over at Gaming of CR. Oh, sorry, I had to catch up my breath there. That's all right. <laughs> uh, if you're uh, wanting to catch the RSS feed at this, if you're watching this on either of our YouTube channels, uh, our uh, website slash RSS feed is VGL Podcast at Oh, sorry, vgopodcast.podbean.com, as well as finding us on iTunes or Google Play. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash vglpodcast if you wish to help pay for all this madness. And once again, if you wish to contact us, you can contact us on uh, Twitter, vglpodcast, or just email us, vglpodcast at gmail.com. We accept audio letters or text, and we will just double through the text letter. <laughs> Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McCloy, and you can find his work and in Computech.com, and... As his lovely music starts to roll across my snores. But why now? <laughs> what, I'll put you to sleep with my outro? No. It's not you. It's me. And all of my problems. No, it definitely is you. <laughs> it definitely is.